0: This is a more than just podcast production.
1: Hey, everybody, welcome to episode 338 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario. And I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? We have Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Hello. All righty. So, yeah, it's been a while. It's been a minute. Um, Let's start off with some fact check. Uh, I I think I added to this in the show, but in in my conversation with uh, on the last episode, I said uh, that uh, pixels dilate. But I think I added it in the show, but I I, I meant to say, obviously, that pupils dilate when you're to adjust for the amount of light coming. And that's uh, analogous to how an aperture works for I may sake right um, and you know the the lower smaller aperture that a lens can go to and still capture enough light is is the measure of what makes a really good and expensive um, lens. like for instance, Jonathan when he was shooting hockey games back in the day hockey hockey arenas are not notorious they're notoriously not well lit and uh, he had to buy like a really long lens you know like it was probably like 10 inches long or so. Worth two, two or three thousand, two thousand dollars, I think it was, might retail, and um, but it had a low aperture, which is what he needed to be able to get, you know, good shots, long distance in focus, and that's what a good uh, low low aperture setting will do for you, as well as obviously the, the optical distance of the lenses as well. Um, and we're I was talking to Joe Chaplinski. First of all, I mispronounced his name on the show, I'm doing a face palm ever since. Um, but uh, uh, we were talking about, he and I were talking about the t- the four times that he was actually on the show. He's been broadcast f- five or six times, but uh, his the missing appearance, if we couldn't remember, was actually, I think the first one was at Indie Devstock in 2016. You were there for that one, Jaime, right?
2: Yeah, we did the roundabout, more than just code, uh, release, notes release notes crossover. Yeah, that's true,
1: that's true. And we had, we had Greg and, and Tammy and... Uh, Joe, as I remember, on the show, and yeah, that was yeah. And then uh, we were also talking about the length of our shows, and and of course, release notes is is a pretty pretty close to like a thirty minute show, maybe forty minutes. I think on the long side. Um, and I was joking that I think our shortest episode was is, is was that long, right? <laughs> and I was actually right that our official our uh, episode season one episode two was our shortest show at forty one minutes, and that's not including the live shows because obviously the live shows are. They're constrained by other outside forces, so they're they're often shorter than than that. But our our need to ramble and uh, talk about uh, progressive rock and and um, buckethead and um, sports, especially football, seems to take a lot of time and but lots of lots of after show fodder in for us. Alrighty, and and um, the ask MTJC. I don't know if you want to check, Tom, if we've had any ask MTJC. I, did. I didn't
2: see any official stuff on there, although Twitter was not consistent between checking in the app versus checking online so i don't know what that means okay um
1: well uh paul wilkinson or wilco on our mtjc slack um corrected me or or sort of talked about the focus effect that i was talking about where you know you see it in like movies where you know somebody realizes in the pit of their stomach something's happened and the trick that the director of photography does is is they pull back and and the background kind of like Collapses around them, um, so f- effect you see quite often in movies. And uh, Hitchcock
3: was famous for that, right?
1: Yeah, was he? Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, Paul was saying that that's done with a dolly. Actually, no. And, and so they pull a dolly, they pull the camera back, and they change the focus focus of the lens at the same time. Um, and that's so that's why the background kind of like pulls away from from the actor in that particular thing. So it's, uh, I think it calls it pull rack focus. Or sorry, the pull rack focus is different than than what we we have on the iPhone thirteen where it, you know it, it you change the if somebody looks away from the camera it changes the, the focal point. I guess in software it does that. Um but you know, traditionally you can just tap on it with your finger to tell it to focus on something different. Um yeah, so that's cool. So and there's a link here for everything you need to know about dolly zoom, that's what it's called. Dolly zoom is where you where you pull the doll the doll the, the camera's on a dolly like with wheels and the you know as the ca- a cameraman is being pulled back from the actor, he pulls f- or zooms the lens in to, to keep the, the actor in focus kind of thing. Um, okay, and then, and, and if you know anything, like if you have a, a wide angle lens or a zoom lens on your phone, uh, if you're lucky enough to have one of those, you can, you know, by changing those, that uh, the that the distance or the perceived distance in the image changes uh, from your phone based on if you're using wide wide angle or zoom okay and then um yeah i just wanted to point out here so uh just as part of our um my own thing here um i had to do a couple i had to send a couple of macs in we had some 2017 and 2016 macs uh that had battery issues you know the you know the infamous you know your battery needs servicing error that you get if you click on the the battery icon in the, in the menu. So I contacted Apple, uh, contacted a couple of service people. There is a price to get those batteries replaced. I think it's, I want to say it's 269 Canadian. It's around the same, it's obviously less than that in, in the US, maybe $200. Apple will happily replace the battery in your Mac if you have, you know, a Mac that you can't change the battery yourself. Um, and you just have needed to take it to an Apple op, authorized service center or to an Apple store. But I discovered in, in chatting with um apple support that you can actually opt to have them send you a box and so they send you a nice box it's you know it's got like like good styrofoam to support the support the mac you put the box in, you put it in it's got a, a fedex sticker to return to apple and uh yeah you just put it in there and away you go i actually got these two i had two macs um they got to Apple in a couple of days and they turned the fix around in like less than a day. So within three days, the Macs were back in my possession. So um, I definitely recommend in this, you know, time of COVID and all that kind of stuff and you're debating whether you need to go and expose yourself to a shopping mall, um, do you have the option to have Apple send you a box? and I, And again, no charge for the box, just, you know, just for the repair. So that's fine.
3: And how do you ship it? Do you ship it just uh, through the regular mail, or do you send it? FedEx no, it's FedEx. It's FedEx. FedEx. Okay,
1: FedEx. Yeah, yeah. so I yeah. just—I just had to go and risk my life and take it to a FedEx uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> station. You know, well, unfortunately, there's one down just south of me, which which wasn't too busy. But um, yeah, I just had to take two boxes there, and they're already—they're already, they're already pre—you know—paid for. Oh, and so you just that's literally nice. drop them off.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah, that's nice.
1: Yeah, it's cool. And then, yeah, and then it just comes... Like, say, they send you a box, and on the box, you rip off the outside sticker, and there's one underneath it, which is the return sticker, mm-hmm. um, and then you just, you, you, um, as long as the serial, You have to make sure the serial number matches the box that it's intended for. Um, yeah, so it mm-hmm. you know, it's like a piece of paper, and it tells you what to do. Yeah, it's super simple, super fast. I mean... You know, I think if I took it to the Apple store, it means, you know, getting my car, going down there, spending an hour, you know, getting into the store, you know, talking to the genius for, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes, you know, then going home and then having to wait five to seven days for them to fix it. And then going back in, you know, and doing that whole rigmarole. I mean, just dropping it off at the FedEx office and then having it appear on my doorstep, you know, three days later was was great. Good service, right? I,
3: I forget now, was this because of a lawsuit that they're doing this? Oh, I don't know. (laughs) Because really? <laughs> why would, I, I, honestly, I forget, because w- w- it, it seems awfully nice of them to send you a, a box and yeah. and uh, and prepay the postage and all that, if it wasn't a lawsuit. It must have been. I, I'm not joking. I actually don't is it, remember. Is
1: this, like I know, but is this is this a new option, do you think, that uh, you can have a box sent to you, or? Hmm. No, or not necessarily. Not,
3: not necessarily. I, I, I'm just sort of surprised that they would do that at all, unless they have to. Yeah. Because it's not... You know, it's not—it's not—it's not Apple's usual modus operandi to give you stuff for free, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you are paying for the repair, you know. Essentially, and, and I guess you know, I, yeah, I guess in, I in suppose. maybe they're just considering the time we're living in right now. I think it makes—I think they're going out of the way to make it convenient. I mean, well, think about it this way too, right? For the longest time, the stores weren't even open, right? So they had to come yeah, up. Yeah, that's with some true. Solution. That's
3: true. Yeah. Yeah. I guess they could just be bundling. They probably are just bundling the, the cost into the. Of
1: the repair, yeah. I mean, yeah. well, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny that you say that because I just I found someone who who could recap my. I have a um, an Xserve G4 here that uh, I wanted to get. You know, I just want to get up and running again. And you know, the on eBay people want four hundred dollars for this power supply. Well, the the server is not worth four hundred dollars anymore, right? It's like mm. you know, ten year old server or whatever, right? More, uh, yeah, twenty fourteen is when I bought it or t- 2004 is when I bought it. So yeah, it is twenty no, it's more than yeah, it's almost twenty years ago. Like, twenty years old, right? It's pretty old. Anyway, um yeah, I don't want to spend four hundred dollars for a power supply, right? So I found a guy in the States who will do it, and maybe I'll link to his video in the in the show notes, but uh, he'll do it for eighty nine dollars and you just have to pay him in advance and um and he you know, he'll do a test on it, make sure it's repairable and then he then he'll he'll put new capacitors in it for and he'll do like logic boards and what have you and i don't know if you remember the g5 era was a real bad time for bad capacitors um anyway so this guy does it he's down in cincinnati and um house of moth i think is the name of his website or his youtube page so anyway, I, I, uh, he agreed to do it for me. So I, I went over to FedEx and, and shipped it down, and, and they wanted ninety dollars to ship it to him, mm. and then ninety dollars to ship back. So I mean, I'm, all, I'm practically paying four hundred dollars by the time all is said and done. It's ridiculous, right? But yeah, just the shipping is is costs more than the repair, right? Twice, twice what the repair has to me, right? So a little missed about that, but you know, that's this is the day we the, t- the times we live in, right? And plus, I'm going cross border. That's it. I think that's the other reason why it's more expensive for me. But yeah, so that's cool. And then um, in in the in the theory or in the in the keeping with um, with uh, uh, the times, um, a couple of things actually about this. This I've got a link here to a 20 inch G4 iMac G4, which is the Luxo lamp one. Um, there's a link here on how to revive a dead iMac G4 by turning it into an external monitor. So there's a, a video here with instructions. Uh, of course, you know you take this in your, into your own you take your life in your own hands doing this kind of stuff. But if you're handy with a soldering iron and you're, and you're keen to do it, you can turn your um, iMac G4 into provided you know the logic board's dead and you don't and it doesn't work, turn it into a, an external monitor for your Mac, and that's kind of a cool you know looks cool little talk uh, talking piece, right? But that, that said, the reason why I posted this is because I also saw that somebody had taken uh, um, an M1 Mini and put it inside uh, mm. the casing of, of uh, you know, and you basically can do the same sort of, I think that the, the idea came from this, this uh, post here on how to, you know, connect the video from an M1 into, and I don't think you're modifying the M1, you're just using the, the HDMI port on the back, right, uh, to convert it into, or DisplayPort, I guess. Uh, yeah, I don't think it those
3: old Macs used hdmi right that was no no but you're actually you're actually getting
1: it you're actually getting and you're taking you're cutting the wires and you're and you're reconnecting them in such a way that that you can you can send the video signal to the to the monitor right
3: yeah yeah but you'd have to use a display port not the hdmi because it's it's a different format
1: Con- yeah, configuration. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I mean, anyway, I mean data. You, data. Format. Like I said, the the link yeah. is here for you yeah. people to look at. But I think it's a pretty cool idea. You know, I've i actually got a, I have a working G4 behind me. But uh, yeah, I'm tempted to. I was kind of kind of wondering, like it's the right size. You know, body. Like it's bigger than a mini, the the base, right? So it'd be cool to put a, a an M1 in there and have an M1, you know, Luxo lamp, styled you know computer, right? Anyway, that's yeah, that's the uh, that's that's our uh, Ask MTJC MTJC section, and actually, it was um, I was chatting with uh, Invalid Name uh, Chris Adamson uh, about he was uh, asking about his uh, MacBook, his uh, sorry, repairing his uh, iPhone eight, and that's when I explained to him about the Apple Return Program where you can they'll send you a box and you pay for the repair and they'll do it for you. So yeah, so it, I mean, like you know, a, a device isn't dead like uh, iPhone or. Uh, or Mac isn't dead if the battery's uh, not good for... And you can't replace the battery yourself, right? So, I mean, the thing is, like, I have a couple of MacBook Airs. I've replaced the batteries in those because it's, it's easy to get to those, right? And, they, you know, just they just unplug them. But the the modern Macs, the, the Touch Bar Macs, the battery's glued to the top case. So it's not a simple fix, right? So, yeah, I mean, happy to let Apple do it for me, right? And theoretically, you get a new keyboard back with it, too, because... You know, you're uh, you're replacing the whole top case, right? Which is nice. Anywho, all right, let's move on to the. Uh, oh, so we have some some follow up here from uh, Nigel Hamilton. Oh yeah, we were talking about um, that Pegasus uh, exploit that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, right? Um, and Nigel on our again on our Slack channel uh, pointed me to a podcast uh, about it, like in several parts. Uh, that's I think on um, I want to say BBC. It's in the Guardian. Um, they have like a podcast, tech podcast. So I listened to a few episodes of it. It's pretty cool. Uh, talking about this whole, um, Pegasus thing with the, you know, with the, um, I think it's a company in, in, um, I want to say like, uh, Northern Africa. Um, you know, that area. I think it's uh, in Israel, has, isn't it? Pegasus? Yeah. So yeah. I mean by Northern Africa, that's what I mean. Like sort of that Jerusalem area ish part of the, I don't know what that's called. Is that, oh, Northern that Africa? That would be Asia. Asia. Okay. Yeah, Asia minor.
3: <laughs> technically
1: yeah yeah yeah. Yep. yeah but you know the, the the melting pot of humanity as it were um that's where uh you know based on on the histories that we have in our north our north american cultures i guess european and north american cultures um the pegasus exploit and how it works and how you know it can get into your phone and what it does it's a really interesting uh, piece and and um the podcast talks about you know the different things that they did to explore this whole thing and you know the the uh, narrator ends up in in Paris, you know, and a few other places checking checking these things out. It's very similar to that. Um, I don't know if you remember the cuckoo's egg talk um, book I told you guys about that I read by Clifford Stoll um, about early hacking. You know, sort of that kind of you know international you know uh, far reaching story. It's not just a local local issue. But yeah, so check it out if you're interested in the Pegasus um, project. I'll have a link in the show notes for you folks. All right, so we're here. We're at the main part of the show, and before we get into the the main event, Jaime's got some um, some news for us.
2: Yeah, this one's nice. Um, so one password lets you share passwords using links, and as this article from The Verge, which we'll have in the show notes for those of you driving at home, it is kind of like sharing stuff on Google Docs. So you can send somebody an email. You know, that includes a link to that password item. Like, I assume this means that they could hypothetically, you know, copy and paste that uh, credential information (laughs) and like hang on to it. So, I mean, you're already in one password. I guess after you've set the expiration and it's expired and you've reclaimed control, you probably should think about changing that password. It's very convenient to do. But this is pretty nice for people like me who will get asked by my significant other. And she'll say, hey, what's your password for whatever this service is that's shared uh, so i say i i literally don't know <laughs> it's some 32 <laughs> to 64 you know random yeah. character set yeah. that I, I i i let the software know it i don't know it but this is not something i've yet tried but i'm like oh this solves a problem where i can just send her a link and be like here you go here's the password go well you, use you know what there's more
1: to it than than just that because you you've always been able to share passwords like um in 1Password you've been able to send an email or text message or whatever but it's not encrypted mm-hmm. right and they say right on the tin when you go to share a password in previous versions of 1Password it would tell you hey you realize you're sending this like kind of I mean it's it's I mean it's not that it's not encrypted it's, it's just in a format that's easy to easy to for someone to, to man in the middle kind of thing right um, but I believe that this new feature in 1Password is, is, is it's not it's not actually sharing the 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 text in raw it's it, like you said it's like sharing a uh, like sharing a document as you would in Microsoft you know OneDrive or Google or iCloud right you're giving somebody access to a, a chunk of data that one password is taking care of sending
2: to them encrypted um that way right I, I understand it is like sending kind of like a Dropbox sort of link that yeah. yeah you know having the textual information that's in the URL is not useful. You would still need to be authorized in some way.
1: Yeah. As opposed to what
2: you're describing before, which like you literally could that was the sharing sheet. But it was like, dude, you're sending this in the clear, right? So uh we're we're to to be wary. But in this case, as I understand it, but and I've just watched the video but haven't tried it myself, it's like sending a Dropbox kind of link that can expire so they don't get access to it again, and I believe they do do some sort of, um, like, email-type based Like it's a binary file or something that's not easily, you know, whatever,
1: right? Like like the app can understand it, but not the people between, right?
2: I, I understand it as is, is, is being kind of more like, you know, some lighter-weight credentialed access where, okay, so yeah. somebody has access, has has gotten a copy of this link, right? Mm. They've, they've accidentally got a copy of this link well since they're not in hypothetically in control of the email that i said like send it to my significant others email it's mm-hmm. not useful to them because it's not in the clear like the other feature you were talking about yeah the previous in this rating, case it's like yeah, okay yeah. well somebody's trying to access this link you are going to get a little special code almost like a 2fa kind of code in that verified email you know put in the six digits or whatever it is that verify that it is actually you the correct recipient trying to open up this uh, this content.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like I've, I've used uh, the previous version maybe twice in my entire lifetime of using one password. I've been using it for over 10 years, you know? Um, but, and, and the reason why I've only used, I only used it a few times before is because you could see that it was like just a chunk of, of text, you know, like a big blob of stuff. And I'm sure you could probably figure out where the password is in that blob of text is what I'm getting at. And it used like a tell, it used to tell you like a big giant warning when you did it, Hey, you know we're going to send this, you know, and our hands are clean. If you want to do this, go ahead. If not, cancel. Right, kind of deal, right? But I believe this this new service is is a new thing. And um, I, I, again, me with my and you you originally had the vault version of of one password before, right, honey? And then you went to the online one.
2: Yeah, but it was a very short time frame where I think I just had the. Gosh, I don't even remember because I've used their subscription service for such a long time that they, that I did have the private personal vault thing for a while, and then I was like, "Oh, I can just use their subscription service and just have this in all my devices." Oh yeah, that's way better. Let me do that. And yeah, had it. So, uh, so for me
1: and my wife, it's kind of it kind of a it's a bit annoying at the moment, and and one password has promised me a solution coming soon, which is why I've got this other point here on the on the the notes is that. Um, I have like some of my device, my old, my original Macs, right? I log in with my original vault password and I'm still connected to the, to the, uh, to the online service and all my passwords are synced and stuff like that. But on that Mac, I use my original password, right? And then on my new Macs, like my new M1, which is, which doesn't have the vault, I don't know, keychain item or whatever it is in there. Uh, that one, I have to log in with my, with my, online password you know like the the longer more sophisticated password right Um, and it's annoying because i I have to remember which mac i'm sitting in front of when i want or even ipad my ipad and my iphone use the old password but carol's system uses the new password and my computer at work uses the new password and my you know it's so it's like okay, which password am I putting in? Like I, it kind of, I I was a little upset with one password because I was like, why do I not just have one password? Isn't that the idea? You know? Um, And so Roustam, who's one of the uh, co-founders, replied to me the other day that um, in version eight, which is the next version coming up, coming soon, uh, they will only use the online password going forward. So I won't be able to use that older, you know, on, you know, an older password. And, and basically i in other words, I'll have one password to remember, <laughs> you know, finally after all these years. So it actually yeah. says in
3: the, in this verge article here, uh, how this actually works. Yeah. It says, uh, if what you shared is only meant for a specific set of people, they have to confirm their email and then receive a one-time verification code to enter and receive access. So it, it doesn't sound like they've changed the format of the link itself. It's just that that link won't work unless they, when they try to use it, they can type in their email, they get sent, and it has to be one of the emails associated with the with the share. Then they get sent an access code to that email, they type that in, and then it opens it up. So it's... it's, it's but perfect. does
1: it bring it into their 1Password application? No, I would think that's what it does, right?
3: Well, it sounds... Uh, presumably, yeah. Yeah, but it's it's all about how do you authenticate before you get to that point. And it's, it's a two-step process. It's almost, it's almost like a, a poor man's, uh, 2FA that they're doing.
1: Right. Yeah. -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or one-time code kind of deal like, or, or, or an expiring code kind of deal. Right. You know, like a lot of, a lot of forgot password flows are like that, where they'll, they'll say, here's a, here's a 2FA, it's going to expire in five minutes. Right. And, or whatever. I, I, can't tell you how many of those. But but I know I've I've actually sent like I had to send a password to my stepson for instance and, and it was just I used a, I used iMessage, which is relatively, you know, we know safe, but still you could see in the message like the all the text. It wasn't like it was like a blob of text that said, here's the password and here's the account and whatever. It was like not yeah. not sophisticated. So
3: so if the person who's receiving the password is compromised. So in other words, if someone can is sniffing their email uh then presumably this scheme is compromised it, well uh, assuming they're sending the the one-time code by email i guess they could be texting it or do, using some other way but if they're confirming their email then it seems like most likely they're sending the the code by email uh which seems a little bit insecure
1: yeah but i, I think that what i'm saying though is like like compared to the way they used to do it before i think this is a much better yeah, sure, implementation sure. right so-
3: yeah yeah
1: because they're giving you the, they're giving you the, you know, like on the screenshot it says, you know, this person and for one hour and so on and so forth, right? So,
3: but yeah, but it's it's not time based in this case. It's it's linked to their email and the ability to get this access code,
1: right? But it does say in, in the screenshot it says link expires after an hour, so presumably, oh, okay,
3: those, maybe it's also, yeah, yeah, maybe it's also time based.
2: Yeah, and it doesn't update the the item to the new password, which is why I do think it's probably a good idea, like, all right, you know, their access expired, let me go change the password. Mm -hmm. And then now even if somebody hangs on to that info, it's not usable anymore. And you're right, Mark, that like there is the the hole in that this does assume that you have not run across compromised email. Right. Um, but that that is a little bit of a different sort of threat model, right? And then was trying to think about, like, well, they could do other things. I'm like, well, but at that point, you might as well just use the 1Password family sharing stuff. Because <laughs> like, yeah. you might as well just use that, right? And then even better, uh, I think they do support, like, the the hardware tokens, like the Yubico keys and stuff right. like that. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, do they? Yeah.
2: I, I think. Don't quote me on that. I, I thought that was, was coming. It's better than writing it on a sticky
1: note or a piece of paper, or, or like I know I've had to send email to like when I set people up with FTPs or new websites or whatever. At some point, you have to send them a password, right? Even like a WordPress site, you have to you have to send them a password to get in there, and presume like you just you're hoping that that person knows enough that once they get in, they should go in and change the password, right? like whenever i get sent, assigned a password by somebody or some company or whatever or i do a recovered password flow first thing i do is change the password and then of course i store it in one password but you know i i don't know that the rest of my family can is that understand security that well that would do that right so i think at the end of the day what are they going to do they're trying to protect us from ourselves right
3: <laughs> yeah it's it's kind of the this is falls under the, the pretty good privacy, pro, uh, pretty good privacy kind of uh, philosophy, right? If it's for mm-hmm. everyday things, for most people, probably fine. You know, chances of someone attacking and and stealing your stuff is small. If your life depends on it, or if your entire you know life savings is is uh, is linked to this password, don't send it. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Don't send it that way for sure.
3: Yep.
1: Yeah. So anyway, that's. Uh... That's that, so anyway, we're here uh, obviously, to talk about the apple event uh I guess no surprise to anybody um I think you know we knew that Apple had told us you know I think they mentioned or or everybody kind of knew something was happening in in October. well, here we are, lo and behold, it's October uh and Apple has um made good on their their transitions their i think they said two year transition from Intel to the m one or at least the apple silicon um chips right. Um, we got the, what, last October we got, when did we get the M1s last year? Oh, they were announced at at, uh, WWDC, right? And then we got the M1 and the Mini, the the M1 Air, right? And the 13-inch Pro and the Mac Mini, we got those last fall, right? Am I correct in that?
3: That's correct, yes. So I actually, I waited and got mine in, I think, February.
1: Yeah, and I got my M1 Air in July, so because I just couldn't wait anymore, but, um, the, um, so here we are, and we're, but the thing is, we were, I think the original M1 was, was limited to 8 gigs of RAM, right, and, uh, 8 cores, I think was where it topped out, so, um, and Apple was telling us that even though it's lickety-split, it's still not what they considered, or what most people would consider to be a pro machine, or a pro-level processor, which is where we are, which brings us to the event that we, um, sat through on Monday, and, um, we were talking before the show that uh, I can't remember the last time I didn't watch one of these talks live. But I I had a, a um, an appointment that I had to go to that I couldn't. Uh, it had been booked months and months ago, so um, I, I wasn't able to listen to it live. And I think Jaime, you were saying you Mondays are not good for you. Mon- you have meetings and stuff like that, and and you weren't able to. So this was the first time that Mark actually watched it live. Usually mm. the other way around, right? You you kind of catch up catch up to us afterwards, right? Usually, yeah. so. And we were, uh, there was a live tweeting session going on uh, on our Slack channel, which I kind of got to enjoy bits of, without being too spoiled. But uh, yeah, by the time I joined the conversation, you know, they were already talking about uh, um, they were already talking about the the new processors. So, so while we dig
2: in, how uh, many you got a little reference article first to pull from, right? Yeah, we've got this one from Mac Rumors. It looks like it covers a little bit more than what was literally covered in the event, but it's, sure. you. Know, it's, it's, it's adjacent. Cause it's, it's almost a festive time for us. Right. Um, we could, we could start with the sort of bigger topic of the MacBook pros or MacBooks pro. I can never remember which way we're supposed to say that. Um, but they've, they've got new ones, right? They've got the, the 14 inch and the 16 inch ones that are basically the replacements for the 13 and 15, uh, M one if but with, um, I'm sure we'll talk about the screen real estate because it comes up to be important. But supposedly, even though you've got a larger screen area, you've got the same form factor size. So these are, I think, not physically bigger um, as it would seem on the on the tin. And they've got the Fancy Pants new M1 Pro and M1 Max chips with bazillions of cores, all, all perf all the time. <laughs> Right, like they they talked they, they they put something on a slide somewhere, and I can't remember which one they were talking about. But they was like, "Oh yeah, it's like double GPU performance of the M1." I just about yeah. fell out of my chair. I'm like, "What are you talking about? Like, it's it's an insane increase over what was already a very impressive GPU performance that we saw out of the M1." Yeah,
1: I mean, uh, like I said, it was interesting because they they didn't just introduce. Everybody was waiting for. They were calling it what M2 or M1X one or something X. like that. Yeah. Guessing what the name was going to be, Um, they got the X part right. But um, they, uh, yeah, I mean, two things. Well, first of all, I mean, like like the form factor of the 14-inch. We, I think, we were waiting for we've been waiting for a 14-inch ever since the 16-inch came out like a year ago. The 16-inch came in 2019, right? Um, So we've been waiting for that sort of larger, small uh, form factor. It's it's actually, I think, relatively the same size as a 13-inch Pro. taller i guess the because we've got the extra you know 40 or 60 pixels of of um of height which we'll cover as well um so we but we basically have and the, the 16 inch screen is actually a little bit little a little lot taller as well now right this new configuration um so the thing is that they didn't just introduce the one m1 whatever chip they introduced the m1 pro and they went through that how phenomenal that was right and then they jumped in and said, but we also, but wait, there's one more thing. We have this Max thing too. So, because um, I mean, I was thinking like from the point of view of like when they started introducing these things, because I, again, I was, I was listening more than watching, but um, I kind of thought the pros were, because I mean, w- what's left to do after, even after this event is you have the um, the Mac Pro still needs uh, an M, a Silic- Apple Silicon chip, right? And what else is there? The Mini was supposed to get a refresh as well, right? So...
3: Well, there's
1: the, the, the iMac's. Uh, and, and, yeah, and we M1s. had the iMac Pro, we, which we lost, right? Right. In the mix, yeah. But the iMac, the iMac's that they announced too, they have. Um, yeah, we forgot about those. Those, those are already M ones as well, right? But
3: no, um, no, no, no. The iMac's aren't M ones, are they?
1: The new, the new colored ones? Yeah, I think they are, aren't they? Help me out, Jaime. Um, I'm trying
3: so. to remember. I thought the I thought
2: they were the the ones that have the sort of uh, pastel colors yeah i'm just going to run over to apple.com yeah, yeah there that go. was an IMAC 24 inch uh m1 chip oh okay so take those and and throw them into the ocean get yourself some new stuff does that max out at uh at uh, 16 or doesn't go to 32 right now i gotta I go to that- buy one sec oh wait well, when i see it in tech specs uh da, 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 da. where's your memory configurable up to 16 gigs
1: for yeah, the, the iMac 24-inch. So and that's a limit of the original M1 uh, architecture, right? Or, or chip size? And But they still have the 27-inch model, right? That still has... Let me see what this guy has. The 27-inch the, the iMac is still Intel, uh, Mark. Maybe that's what you're thinking.
3: Yeah. Well, I'm looking at Apple's website and trying to find any iMacs. Okay, the 27-inch, yeah, they're all Intel. That's what I was looking at. So you're saying the 21-inch is an M1? No, it's a Core i5. I don't see any M1 iMacs.
1: The fancy new ones, the ones they just introduced, the colored ones. Say hello, the 24-inch. 20, so there's a 21-inch and there's a 27-inch uh, iMac. Those are Intel's. And then the yeah. the 24-inch uh, ones, which are the blue, green, yellow, red, orange, and silver. Oh, these.
3: Like okay. All right.
1: Those are by the way. I saw those in the in the um, Apple Store last time I was there, and and um, like we like Carol likes red, right? But the front oh, of so okay, the, that Mac is pink, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, it's not really red, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, the twenty four inches. Okay, yeah, the, I
3: see them now. They're they're listed in a funny way, but yeah,
1: yeah, yep. yeah. It's kind of well, it's like the they they have like if, on the top of the site. It's got the twenty four inch and then the twenty seven inch, but there's also a twenty one something form factor. Mm-hmm. Is that still available? they got it on the text if you go to the text specs yeah it is available 25. yeah 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 so you can still buy an intel why would you but you still can buy a, a, a um, 21 inch intel mac imac anyway so my point is that that you know we in that whole shuffle of iMacs we lost we used to have that um, iMac pro model that they had with the, you know with the 5k display and all that stuff right um the Twenty-seven still has a five K display, but but the pro the pro configuration was gone, right? Um, anyway, so so they had to beef up the chip in order to get to what they consider to be pro market, which is they needed to be able to add more than eight cores and more than sixteen gigs of RAM. So now we ended up with a pro chip. How many uh, in the in the M one Pro? How many do you know? How many cores we have in that guy? Does it go to twenty four and thirty two? 10 CPU
3: cores map. and sixteen uh GPU cores for the M1 Pro.
1: Okay, and then the other the other model is 24 and 32, right? The the Max? Uh,
3: let's see. Where is this
1: one? Oh no, the M, M-, M- Max is 10 cores. 24 core GPU, sorry, yeah.
3: 30, 24 or 32 core CPU, you can get either one, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah. Again, 32 I, cores, I, I, I remember the episode where we had Tammy on talking about the iPad saying there were too many choices. Remember that those days? mm Mhm. So now you've got, I'm going to read it out to you. You've got the M1 Pro with 10-core CPU and 14-core GPU, or M1 Pro with 10-core CPU and 16-core GPU, or M1 Max with 10-core CPU and 24-core GPU, 24 core GPU, or M1 Max and 10, so there's basically four configuration yeah. chips, t- M1 Max, 10-core CPU, and
3: 32-core it's, it's really, It's really just all about how much money have you got. And we'll give you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I looked at the let's see, the 16, and I know people have said it was like roughly six thousand dollars. So I'm going to start with the 16 inch Max, um, which is starts at 10 core CPU, 32 core GPU, 32 gigs unified memory, and the SSD is going to be the
3: eight terabyte. uh, Yeah, all right, so that puts it over six thousand bucks.
2: Sixty four gigs unified memory adds another four hundred the starting from one terabyte ssd going to eight terabytes is another two thousand two hundred dollars wow uh it, and you still only get three USB C ports with it <laughs> where's my total what, what am
1: i doing wrong here what am i doing wrong here are you trying to get to six thousand dollars i'm just trying that?
2: to just add up all the stuff why does it not want me to go well, just forward? for
1: those of you while there while we're driving at home uh so the 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 16 inch sorry the 14 inch starts at 199 us and the 16 inch starts at 2499 us and that's for the base configuration of eight core um no eight or six or ten core yeah so
2: oh there we go it is lower on the screen they threw it in a footer that through something called banner blindness i did not see yeah so it's right next to like the apple tv plus so i'm looking at uh, delivery date of November 29th through December 6th for free uh, wow. at a $6,099 or $508.25 per month for 12 months. Now
1: that's, and that's, for those of you driving at home, we're looking at this three days after it was announced, right? So I think the day that, you, if you ordered it the day they were announced, you were getting like probably like end of this week or end of next week kind of delivery dates, right? Um. Is that, do you think that's because that's a super-duper configuration you've done there, Jaime? Or is that because we've waited this,
2: you know, two days to order it? I don't know. Let me, let me start cheaping out. Let me go back to restart this process. And go to the Canadian site because, cheap. you know, I'm Canadian. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So, so up get... the
3: memory makes it faster. But the hard drive doesn't seem to. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Actually, hard drive, hard drive does too.
2: So, I went to 32 gigs and 1 terabyte. And looks like November eighteenth through November twenty sixth for three thousand four hundred ninety nine dollars. So yeah, there is a difference there.
3: So that's that's the base model. So it may just be if you get the base model, you get it a couple of weeks earlier. If you customize it at all, then it takes the extra time. It looks like that's that's yeah, the case. Yeah, tinkering
2: with just the storage. So and here, here's the
3: part memory. where I complain a
1: little bit because the Canadian price for the f- base fourteen inch is twenty four ninety nine. $500 more just to buy it in Canada.
3: But that's in the Canadian f- dollars, right?
1: 14-inch. Yeah, but there's, there's, not, there's not much. Is there that much difference in Canadian dollars to American dollars?
3: I don't know What's the exchange rate is. Let me get out P
1: calc- the official know. calculator app. Of, and we're just Canadian
3: dollar is
2: 0.81 United 30. States dollar. Yeah, so it's a big difference. Yeah.
1: No, it's twenty four twenty four sixty seven. Yeah, so it's it's that fifty dollar bump I was talking about before. Yeah, so so uh one thousand nine hundred and ninety nine dollars, which is the base price of the fourteen inch in the US, is twenty four sixty seven eighty four in Canadian dollars. Mm-hmm. No and wait, I went the wrong way. Did I go the right way? Right? Yeah. I'm confused. So if I said that was US. Yeah, twenty four sixty seven eighty four is what the conversion rate at the moment as we're recording goes right. right
3: so so canadian dollar is worth 80 percent of an american dollar today right which means you'd have to pay 25 percent more canadian dollars to get the equivalent so 1699 let's see 50 percent of that is 850 another half that is so you add on a 425 roughly to your 1699 mm-hmm. is 2099 plus change right
1: okay <laughs> yeah so basically all of the mac pros right now are an M1 type chip. We got the basic, the base model, uh, 13 inches. An M1. The uh, wait a minute. Does the M1 have a touch bar? No. I, f- I forget. Yes, it has touch bar with Touch ID. The the, the base, the, ba- the baby 13 inch Pro. That still has a touch bar. So if you really want to get a touch bar, there you go. Um, because even the Air doesn't have a touch bar. It never did have a touch bar, right? So yeah. So you can get, you can still buy an M1, 13 inch macbook pro or you can buy a 14 inch or you can buy a 16 inch right so your base price is going to be 199 for the 14 inch all the way up to what 6000 if you go with the 16? Jaime, i am sorry what was the configuration you were asking all in all in on the 16 inch macbook pro oh like it was I like 6000 max with 32 cores of gpu I want you know 8 terabyte drive 6000 six bucks. $6,099 yeah. well u.s. US. U.S. ten ten. How much, how much is, is that in Canadian? <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, was it
3: 699?
1: six ninety nine? Six thousand ninety nine. Six thousand ninety nine. Seven
3: thousand four
2: hundred ninety eight dollars and forty eight cents
1: in Canadian dollars. Seven thousand five hundred. Yeah, twenty nine. It's um, thirty eight thousand yen, mm. or Chinese yen. Yun, I guess, is how you say that. It's 500, five hundred and fifty two. Five hundred. Five thousand two hundred forty seven euro. It's uh, sick. Ooh six million nine hundred and seventy six seven uh, yeah it's a lot it's six six hundred hundred thousand. Sixty-nine thousand yen and plus or minus japanese yen. yeah yeah yen
2: it's getting it's, uh, like okay i mean if we're uh, going there so it's seven million one hundred sixty four thousand four hundred ninety five point three zero korean won yeah
3: and yeah and what what were the old traditionally super inflated currencies like zimbabwe dollars, i think was one that's crazy or italian lira at one time i don't know if they still are but they used to be super inflated yeah
1: yeah those were 8, the ones 1, the 148 like, zeros it's a australian right mm-hmm. In aussie dollars is 8148 yeah so plus whatever it takes apple to put it in a in a crate and ship it over there too right so yeah it's expensive and, oh, wait, but it's the same amount of Apple Care though, for any, if you buy it at that price, right?
2: I mean, at, at that point, it just feels like <laughs> you're chipping in a tip, you know, <laughs> yeah, for that amount of money. Yeah. <laughs>
3: you, you can get a Chromebook for 200 bucks. You know, you're welcome to go do that. <laughs> Indeed.
2: Indeed. Yeah.
1: Well, so, so here's the thing. So, you know, I was having, you know, I had the, because I've been waiting for a 14-inch Pro myself. I'm waiting for the new Pro to come out. And then... But then the other day, like in the other, the other part of our, our story here today is that uh, Monterey, a release candidate, also shipped on Monday as well. So I downloaded that on Monday night, installed it on my uh, M1, which is what the intention was to have one machine that ran Monterey and the other one that would still run Big Sur. Um, and it's amazing. We perform it, like, as an operating system. It's, like, really quick. You know, apps launch, like, lickety-split. I mean, I, you know, I personally, I'm not doing development work All day long on it anymore, right? On my personal computers, because I I have a day job, right? And I use the company machine for that, right? But, you know, for my hobby coding, weekend coding, you know, evening coding, whatever, it's like lickety split. Wait,
3: you're you're comparing Big Sur on the M1 versus Monterey on the M1? No, yeah. Is that much improvement? Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's that's really really good. Really nice. Really nice. Big Sur was always kind of a dog and kind of buggy. Yeah. I'd never. I don't think I'd ever in the, you know, in the. I don't know how many years I've been using Macs. I'd never had the Finder just crash on me under underneath apps before, but now it happens. Oh, like I have every other day with Big Sur.
1: Really? Wow. No, I've I've had the Finder crash on me before, but not not reg, not a regular not like like it sounds like you're having regular stuff. Yeah,
3: I mean, it's pretty regular. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I wonder. Wonder what's going on there. But, yeah. Uh, and that's that's on the mini though, right? That's on the mini. Yeah. Yeah, well, that could be another another factor too, right? Yeah. And I find like, you know, uh, I mentioned this last time I was talking with Joe that he also has an M1. I find the battery on the Air lasts me uh, two or three days before I have to plug it in. You know, compared to my Intel, which I probably could do like maybe 6 hours worth of work and then have to plug it in. So
3: Well, yeah, you what? know, that all that heat that those Intel machines are generating, that's that's battery life, right? Just going away. Of course.
1: Oh. But it, but that, is that heat because of the work the CPU is doing, or?
3: Well, it's just it's just inefficient, right? So all so energy in equals energy out, right? So if hmm. if if the form of energy going out is heat, then that means that your battery charge is just being converted into heat by the inefficiencies of the chip. So the fact that the M1 is much cooler means it's much more power efficient, which means okay. your battery will last longer for doing exactly the same uh, calculations. Let's say.
1: So can we talk about the since we got you on the show here, Mark? Can we talk about the M1 chip configuration with the sure? You know, the, the, as, the, as I always say, I've been out of that chip, business right? for a
3: long time. So, but, yeah, uh, but
1: you're closer to it than me or Jaime. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, to me, it looks like a pretty damn hot chip. I mean, it looks pretty, pretty insanely good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I haven't seen really too many benchmarks beyond what they showed in the in the uh, event. Yeah. But you know, to do all to get that kind of speed improvement and keep the power down means they're doing a lot of things right. Putting it all, putting the GPU system on a chip is is a great idea, right? So they save, mm-hmm. you know, the the worst thing you can do is having to send send electricity over wires, right? To connect things, that's a that's a big way of wasting wasting power. So yeah. so putting this all on the chip means it has to travel less distance, doesn't have to go through big fat wires relatively. Uh, so so that's a that's a really uh, Big improvement that's how they get the the like the memory speed up the memory access speed up by having the memory all on board with the with the single on on board the single chip so yeah all all those tricks you know that that uh, people have been playing with and talking about it looks like Apple's just done everything every done any everything everyone knows how to do right now and threw it into this thing and it worked Mm -hmm. so pretty impressive i mean there's as far as i know there's nothing from intel coming anywhere close to this for for a long time,
1: yeah. No, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But so the but the the from a, from an architectural point of view, like looking mm-hmm. at the, the images that they have here on the site, I've got a. I don't know if I'll put this link here in the Slack one sec. It's just this is going inside the M1, right? Because um, the 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 structure of the, the original M1 is you know the M1 takes up most of the real estate, and then on the right hand side you've just got the eight or sixteen gigs of RAM, right? Kind of on that same sort of wafer, right? Mm-hmm um and now the you know they've got uh, ram on both it's it's you know from a real estate point of view like if you imagine this was like a shopping mall or something right mm-hmm. uh the parking lot where the memory is 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 they've got like two giant parking lots on either side and, and in the case of the m1 max they've got four parking lots on either side right mm-hmm. so they've kind of they've kind of um, um using like the i guess the physical dimension of the of the chip if this is a accurate picture of it is quite a bit bigger than the original m1 right
3: yeah actually um, uh, the uh, what in this picture we're looking at the chip is just that center the centerpiece yeah the, the system on chip and there's two additional in ch- for the pro there's an additional chip on either side it's all in the that's same that's what package. i'm
1: calling the parking lots yeah yeah, yeah.
3: but it's on the same package but it, but it looks in this case like it's actually three different chips
1: Yes, right. And if you scroll down, they've got the they've got the color uh, image of the M1 Pro and the M1 Max, and you can see the the and they laid it out. You know, when when they uh, in the talk, they talked about you know where the CPU is and then where all the GPUs are, and you can see that there's quite a quite a number of them on the M1 Max compared to the M1 Pro, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, and that's how they're able to get all this this uh, incredible power. And then they've got the they've got the um, the perform P- CPU performance charts just below if you scroll down.
3: Yeah, these are the same ones they showed in the in the event
1: in the talk. Yeah, and then sort of showing where an eight core uh, laptop chip is right now. Mm-hmm. So I, I have a question though, because because I get you know I'm sure Xavier, friend fan of the show, is going to give me a hard time about this, but how do these compare to desktop PCs? Like I, I know they're comparing these to la- uh, Windows laptops or or PC laptops, right? How does like are there are you able to put a bigger chip and more CPUs and stuff like that in a in a desktop configuration on a PC?
3: In general, yeah, because you plug it into the wall, right? You don't care as much about power. Uh you're not you're never running off of the battery. So in general, you can. Uh I'm not sure that I mean, I, yeah, people must do that. I mean, I guess these big gaming machines mm-hmm. uh do that. Uh I don't really follow that market so much, but presumably yes now apple doesn't right they could so it's it's interesting for something like the for the mac pro or for the for the iMac uh whether would they whether they would use these low power chips i mean they've got them as well but uh it's possible that they could make a different version that would be that would trade off some of the power efficiency for more power for sure
1: yeah yeah yeah. Well, the other thing, the other thing that's kind of kind of a factor right now is supply chain, right? Because with because of COVID and the fallout from all the manufacturers and stuff like that, do you think that Apple is able to deliver these chips quicker because they're the only consumer of this particular product?
3: No, because they don't make them.
1: These are made by TSMC. T- so
3: they're, yeah, they're made by TSMC in Taiwan. Uh, now, Apple, yes, Apple gets them quicker because they're Apple. And they have a lot of mu- of muscle, and they're throwing a lot of money at TSMC, so they'll get pushed up to the front of the queue. But um, but no, it's it's not because they're the only ones doing it. It's TSMC has a certain amount of capacity in this technology, this five nanometer technology, and so the way this stuff works at a foundry is for everyone who's using this technology, it's a, it's the exact same process flow, which is which is the combination of of the set of equipment that's specially designed for this particular technology node and the and the steps to uh to run the wafers through this flow to actually build it so that's all the same for everyone the the thing that's different between apple and you know company x or company z uh that's using tsnc is all are about they,
1: are, are they only arm manufacturer or, or they
3: they wouldn't make intel chips there right they could make anything they wanted to. Uh, okay. So uh, the the thing that makes the product or the chip different is a set of of masks. They're called uh, and so one of the major steps in making a chip is called lithography, where mm-hmm. which is which is how they pattern all the transistors and the wires onto the silicon and the and the metal levels. Uh, right now. So the way that works is you, when you want to make your chip, you give to TSMC essentially a map of what the layout should be. And they make masks out of that. And then they run the the masks through the flow and your chip comes out. If they substitute somebody else's masks, a different chip oh, comes out.
1: A different chip. Okay,
3: gotcha. Right. Yeah. So as far as TSMC is concerned, doesn't matter. They just take take a set of masks, run it, and the chip comes out and they send it to you. Uh, now, who, whose masks get to go into the flow? And, and they and they have a certain number of wafers they can run through this per day, let's say. Yeah. And they have to decide how how many they give to Apple, how many they give to someone else. How they decide that is purely a business decision. It's how much money you're paying.
1: Right. Yeah, well, I mean, it sounds like lithography is also... A, the, same terminology we use in 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 printing on paper right and and i know that like you know if you look at like in canada we have a couple of big printers we have transcon we have quebec or and if you're like a newspaper or a magazine or something you would reserve time on those presses right 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 and so this is probably the same idea they probably apple probably goes in and says we want to have x number of hours for the next two years kind of thing right
3: yeah and if if the is it the toronto sun is that the
1: paper? Toronto Star. Toronto Star. Oh, there is a sun as well. Okay. Yeah.
3: If the Toronto Star comes in and says, hey, I, I want to reserve time. Yeah. And the oh, uh, here's a big bag of money, the, the <laughs> Mississauga uh, high school yearbook paper or whatever uh, wants to do it too. Uh, well, guess who's going to get priority? It's going to be the Toronto Star, yeah. right? Because mm-hmm, they're willing mm-hmm, to put yeah. more money. It's the same way with Apple versus Joe Schmo's startup uh that's right. trying to get it to TSMC.
1: yeah but i mean compared to like like so i what i'm what i'm getting at is like you know like samsung's making chips and yep. um samsung's making chips and intel is somehow making chips intel well. makes like chips like, yep. Uh, yep dell makes chips yeah but dell's using intel and, and dell doesn't
3: uh, make their own chips
1: but they what is what's the other one is it arm what's the other uh windows PC. It begins with an A. AMD AMD. 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 Yeah. So it's AMDs. Yeah. There's Intel. But, so,
3: but the, yeah, they use Global Foundry, I believe, because Global Foundries was a spinoff of AMD. Uh, with uh, oh, I can't remember what it was called, but there was a foundry in Singapore, I believe, and AMD spun off their 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 manufacturing business, combined it with this company in Singapore to create Global Foundries. And oh, so okay. presumably yeah. AMD uses them, but not necessarily. I mean, they could go anywhere. So the way it works is, is if you know we're talking about say the five nanometer technology node, yeah. every company who does the manufacturing develops their own version of five nanometer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know they they may all be reasonably close, and these days they probably are reasonably close because uh, things are so because the yeah you know, the equipment is made that that so that, and so, physics, that it's right? so
1: you've talked about that before.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but it's probably mostly limited by the you know the equipment set that's available. There's not that many people making a lithography machine that'll work for five nanometer, right? So right, yeah, so yeah. so everyone's kind of got all the same equipment. So the 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 technologies are going to be kind of the same, and and they actually even do that on purpose. They try to match the performance very closely, so that you know so that um, global foundries could say to some customer of TSMC. It's like, hey, you know, we've got got a compatible process over here. We'll give it to you for 5% cheaper. Why don't you come over here? And so, you know, they do that. So if the technologies are 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 very similar, then you can do that. You can switch between foundries. But they are different. And, you know, one technology might be slightly faster than another one or slightly lower power than another one or something like that. So generally, you can't just take a set of masks and run it in the other foundry and have it work. It usually doesn't. Work that way you have to do a transfer and you have to tweak things a little bit
1: so. so back in the day just coming back to the manufacturing process because um i remember doing circuit boards in high school we, mm-hmm. we used to use like we used to draw them on film and then we would use the film and we'd use light to expose it on the copper and then wash it and put it in, a, in an acid bath and it would wash away the unexposed unexposed yeah. really areas right yep um and then you wouldn't be left with your pad and you'd drill your holes and you put your circuits in right mm-hmm. um so, so, when you say masks, is this, is this like is this like a piece of film, like a really fine resolution film yeah. that they're putting on top so, of a chip and they're exposing and whatever? Or? So,
3: this is a gross simplification. About yeah, what no. I'm about to say. Well, the reason why I'm saying that is because <laughs> we
1: don't like even in, in printing they don't do that anymore. And that they don't use the film intermediate step anymore. Now, yeah. the image right onto the plate, right?
3: Right. So, so typically what you what you'll do is you'll use lithography not to actually uh, uh, etch the um, you know the, the copper material like you would on a printed board, on a printed circuit board. But what, what but you would use it to? Uh, usually, it's to you'll use it to like deposit like polysilicon or or deposit metal. So so you do you start with your silicon and you do spin on photoresist, same kind of concept. Then you've got this mask. Now they don't you don't press the mask directly on like you would in a probably the things that you were doing. They have these things where it's super complicated. Uh, set of lenses and mirrors and things like that. So the mask is actually, it never actually touches. It can't actually touch the surface because that would introduce too many defects when these things are, you know, five millimeters. So it's, it's spaced away in, in vacuum. And then the, the light is kind of um, sent through the, the mask and then, and then focused down with some lenses. Uh, so you get the, the real size and yeah. And then you, you expose the photoresist in exactly the same way. Uh it, once it's exposed, you know, you, you use some kind of chemical to remove the exposed part uh, and then you will like etch the silicon uh, and, the, and the, the remaining photoresist protects the, the silicon that you want to leave there. And whatever you don't expose stays, whatever you expose uh, gets etched away or you deposit material and it goes into the space where it's exposed.
1: Right, and that's why we talk about physics, where you know there's only so small a channel they can actually make, right? I think you were talking about the size of the atoms that are involved, right? Yeah.
3: So, so now um, this this is a little bit uh, out of date because they don't actually do what I'm about to say in five nanometer anymore. But but the way they, these things used to always work for this for traditional MOSFET technologies is you would you would want to make a what's called a gate, which is a, a line of polysilicon uh, that You'll have an electrode on either side, and the gate. By applying a voltage to the gate, you can turn on or off current flow underneath the gate. And the the smaller you make this gate, the shorter you make this gate, the more current you can get through for the same amount right. of voltage. Okay. Essentially, yeah. more or less. Uh, so so what you do is you start with your you start with your, your silicon. You put down some oxide. You put down some polysilicon on top of that. So you've got a, a, a it's it's a metal oxide semiconductor technically it's semiconductor oxide semiconductor but it's called mos Uh, and then then you put your photoresist down on top of that then you expose it and then then you etch away the polysilicon everywhere where you expose so you're left with a very very thin line of polysilicon and then you put down the
1: current actually flows right
3: flows underneath it you put down you put down a a electrode on either side you put an electrode on top of the polysilicon that's the gate You apply a voltage to the to the polysilicon and it because there was that oxide underneath that i mentioned it it if you if you apply the right voltage it attracts electrons to the underside of the of the of the oxides basically a little capacitor and then the two electrodes on either side can conduct current
1: oh okay cool so it like lifts the gate out of the way in a a really crude way of saying it right
3: uh (laughs) sort of i mean well it etches away everything that's not the (laughs) gate. yeah 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 yeah. now that's like i said that's a super super gross so yeah i know modern technologies have like probably 50 different masks that they use you know to to make the whole different thing
1: yeah yeah and there would be different different masks for different purposes right yeah
3: there'd be one to match the poly there's there's one to match each of the the levels of metal, you know, metal. Once you've got all the transistors there, then you got to connect them. So you you have little metal lines that get uh, deposited and then etched in the same way to connect all the different transistors. Uh, and then there's usually a whole bunch of different levels of metal um, and a whole bunch of whole bunch of different things going on there. There's ion implantation if you want to um, make something make your silicon in, in one region uh, more. Electrically conductive, uh, you implant, uh, ions into that that give off, give off extra electrons. So it becomes more conductive. So that's kind of how you make your electrodes and all that kind of stuff. Yeah.
1: That was a more than just code part.
3: Yeah, that, that was uh, more than just code.
1: But uh, so so let's talk about so some of the things that we've got in the the new uh, portable or the new um, uh, sixteen and fourteen inch models. We've got a taller screen because we have a notch now because we have Face ID, right? Um, and I don't. i people were complaining about the notch, but went, apparently when you go to full screen, the the it basically apple or the software basically brings the top of the uh, screen down so that um the the menu isn't blocked isn't blocked by the like there isn't that gap in the middle where the where the notch is right um so we have the we have a face id notch uh or i guess presumably means there's no, t- no more touch id or t- t1 chip uh to break down um then you have Uh, We have an HDMI port now back again, which I don't think I've ever used an HDMI port on most of my Macs. We have MagSafe has come back, right? Uh, but it's have, a it's have, a
3: different MagSafe right? It's a yeah, MagSafe, it's 3, a MagSafe so, three. So all yes, your old Mag three MagSafe uh, adapters or dongles won't work yeah. anymore. You'll need well, a whole so new set. It's funny
1: mm-hmm. because I still have my original MagSafe one. To, like my my display port here has a MagSafe one connector. Yeah, so I have that little have one MagSafe one to two adapter. I have one of those too. Yeah. Yep. So I wonder if there's going to be a new MagSafe one to MagSafe three or a MagSafe two to MagSafe three adapter or something like that. Uh, coming, coming in our future. I think they um, will. Who knows?
3: Yeah, huh? I think there will.
1: They will. Yeah, I they hope, hope they will they because
3: will. I'd still like to continue to use my yeah. Thunderbolt
1: display. Well, I mean, I've got my bag of dongles. I don't know what do I do? I decorate my Christmas tree with them now or what? You know, um, you know I've got more dongles and port emulators and so like. So we got an SD port, which which I'm happy about because I use I use SD to feed my 3D printer, and I know there's a lot of photographers out there, right, who are happy. The they put the headphone jack on the left side, which is Kind of interesting too, right? Um, instead of on the right where it's been for many years now. And um, what else have we got? Uh, what, and what's on the? Uh, so yeah, so the, it's like one USB and one SD slot. And uh, what's on the right hand side? Do You guys remember? Let's see if I can view the gallery here. Go back to the website. There's
3: two of the ports, right? Are on the, the, oh, yeah, the Thunderbolt.
1: So, oh, HDMI, HDMI, USB, and SD on the right, and then we have MagSafe. Two S, two USB Cs, and the headphone jack on the left, mm-hmm. right, um, and a sort of a weird round bottom. I don't know what do you guys think about the bottom of the bottom of the if, if, does that Does that bother you at all? The sort of curve, like like a chunkier bottom,
2: like it, it needs more space for all the cores. But it's well, maybe no. I think it, I think that with.
1: has to do with air movement for the woofers, right? Because you need you need to be able to move air to to have a good a good woofer sound, right? Um, but yeah, I just wonder why it's got that big, is it a bigger battery or something? Like, like, you know what I mean? Like if you look at the, if you look down the profile of the Mac, it comes down and it's got that big, you know, sort of button curve, you know, like corner radius of 25. Which, what angle are you? I'm looking at, looking at, looking at, like looking along the table dead on sort of thing, right? Um... If you look at if you if you're on the very first page of the site, right on the Canadian site, it shows the shows the iPhone 13 and then the the, sorry the Pro the 13 and then it's got the two mag the back to back 16 and the 14 next to each other, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then it shows uh, if you look down the side of it, like as you as you look down, like the bottom is rounded, is what I'm saying, right?
3: Oh, as opposed to the tapered thing that they had been doing for a while. I well, they the were price. doing the tapered,
1: yeah, tapered thing, yeah. Oh, so guess so that's true. They were doing a tapered thing, but 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 the iPads have that sort of squared-off edge right now. The you know the like if you look at the monitor, the monitor looks like like an iPad, right? It's got the sort of squarish edges, right? You know, I'm looking at the profile of the of the Mac, not the not not dead on, I'm not looking at it like as if it was opened. It doesn't bother you that that curve. No, okay.
2: no, <laughs> no! I think that's what the, the, the Gen Z kiddos call thick T H I C C for. That.
1: <laughs> um, oh, get off my lawn! I mean, it's because yeah.
2: it, it. Okay, so let's talk briefly about this topic because uh, battery life. We didn't talk a whole lot about but it's got pretty good battery life. People were yeah. a little hurt on the interwebs of like, "Hey, battery life could be better." I'm like, wait, hold on! This is a device that is trying to give you performance, right? Like it's not yeah. going to be the same as what we talked about here on this show about like, okay, well, a desktop can say to heck with, with spending, you know, with spending uh, worries about power. It's like, just give me all the performance you can get. We, we expect like a, I don't know, an M one max plus for uh, like a Mac pro replacement is what I would guess. Right. Um, and, and for this, I'm like, yeah, uh, if it has pretty close But not necessarily better than some of the other models that are trying to be, you know, all day battery life. You can get on the subway, get on an airplane, run around in the fields like that's a different sort of model. Then I need to really get this three video rendering to work now. Right. Like it just needs to finish sooner rather than later and And so that's where I think the the sickness wouldn't bother me so much here because it's like well you're you're explicitly choosing a different trade off there,
1: right, yeah, they're claiming seven twenty one hours on the on the twenty one hours of video playback on the sixteen inch model so so you you can watch the entire series of Ted Lasso and still have room for a couple of other shows right um
3: but would you be happy after watching the entire season of Ted lasso? that's a different conversation,
1: oh okay, yeah. I didn't like the ending, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, like, see, my 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 issue with battery life is battery life never lasts as long as 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 they say. That said, like I said, I've been really happy with my my M1 Air in terms of the, how long it lasts. But I'm not sitting in front of it eight hours a day, right? Um, and I think that's the thing is like I think people would be happy if they could get a machine. I think Joe was telling me that he was able to get his machine, his M1 Air and go the whole day, you know, on a single charge, which was, you know, which is nice. Right. Yeah. Um,
3: realistically, you'd like it to be able to last for the longest plane ride that you might ever have to take with it.
1: Ooh. there's right? Some pretty long plane. Rides. Yeah.
3: There yeah. are some pretty long ones that some of them go beyond what these can do. I mean, there are, there are, if you go to, I think if you go to India from here, it's, it's over 24 hours. Uh, or if you go to Australia, uh, so yes. they're not quite yes. there yet, but, but they're getting there, right? Anything That's less true. than that. I mean, an eight-hour day, you know, if you're if you're, if you're sitting out of your office for eight hours, you can't plug it in somewhere? I mean, come on, you know. Yeah.
1: Hey, do you think an um, eight-terabyte SSD drive would use more power, more battery, than, say, a one-terabyte SSD?
3: For sure it would, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. how much more? I, I don't know. Hard to um, say, yeah. Hard to say. Uh, but, yeah, absolutely it would use more.
2: I would guess it would not be linear. I would... Uh, I would guess that it's not eight times the amount of power. And there probably is a floor, a minimum floor to get, you know, a single part of that. Yeah, because you're running. not
3: accessing all eight terabytes at the same time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Whereas, right. Whereas, yeah, whereas but if you're you were,
2: powering up that whole memory bank, right?
1: If you think about it.
3: Yeah, but, but they, don't, they only need to really apply power to Remember, uh, the parts that you're actually using. So one of the cool things about CMOS technology, which this all is, is that when it's in its passive state when it's not doing anything it's pretty low power it's just kind of sitting there it's not it's not really using a lot of power it's only when when you're switching uh does it use power now of course it's always it always has to um you know be doing something keeping it alive but but yeah it's not touching everything like so if it were if it were touching every terabyte at the same time it would scale nearly with the number of terabytes obviously but it's Mm -hmm. definitely not doing that but but it's definitely got to do more because the current, you know, on average, if you've got eight times as much stuff, the the physical distance to get to any given thing is going to be longer, right? Right on average. So the longer you go, the more power you generally use. So right. so it will use more. Yeah. How much more though? Yeah, I don't know. Good question though.
1: I mean, look at, looking at the build time chart that they have here on the on the site 2 for Xcode looks pretty quick, right? Um, compared to like a, an Intel i7 or an Intel i9 on the on the larger model, right? Um, you know, three three point seven times faster than a thirteen inch on a, the fourteen is three point seven, according to this. So a three point seven times faster on a ten core uh, M1 Max. Oh, they're both M1 Maxes here. Yeah. So the the Max is the fastest chip on comparatively speaking or two times faster than an i9 so mm-hmm. you're looking at better better uh, build times apparently you know yep um you know gpu performance again is is great like 13 times faster on yeah. with final cut pro
3: badly know? needed have you guys noticed i know it's a little bit of a tangent but i still for my work machine I'm, i still have an intel mac and yeah. running xcode 13 on that thing yeah. just drags it to a halt Really? Yeah. Mm. I mean, I can barely even slack when, when I'm building. I'm, <laughs> really? I'm not oh, kidding. Oh, man. That
2: is, uh, yeah. That is wow. interesting. Yeah.
3: Um, and it gets really hot. I mean, it's just, it's really, really. Yeah, the fans
1: are always cooking when I'm building on, on my, my, I have like a, a 2017, 2018 touch bar. And I know yeah. as soon as you start building, the fans just go up to like
3: super duper. and. Yeah. I've got the 2018 touch bar as well.
2: You don't live in a cold enough place, Mark. That's where I say, you know, in the in the <laughs> winter time, I'm like, oh, this spot is hot. Let me just go put my my cold fingertips on this and warm them up yeah. with this free energy. Yeah, I'll tell you,
1: it's nice when it's when you're, it's it's cold in the basement here in in the you know the middle of January, and I've got a nice warm laptop on my lap. You know, it's it's definitely does make a difference mm. <laughs> for sure.
3: Um, But yeah, these days trying to be on a zoom call and do a build and trying to slack at the same time Which is something I do every day. (laughs) This Mm -hmm. is not an unusual situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's it's uh, it's getting tough
1: So let me ask you a question here Here's a question for you and of course, you know greg would want to know greg is just dying to hear this this does the answer to this question Mm. Um, if you were to buy one of these macs, which one would you buy and what configuration?
3: Are we talking about for me or you for know, is, you. is my company buying me one? For you.
1: No, I don't care about your company. For you. Yeah, well, companies might a and this Mark Rubin, out. if the president of a soft or I assume yeah. the president, was going to buy a Mac for himself to do his work on, what would you buy?
3: I would probably get the. Um, okay, hold on. I got to look at the. I, I would get the Pro. I wouldn't get the Max because it's just the Max is really? just. Yeah. I mean, it's an extra thousand bucks. You know, I, I don't know. Oh, is it? Yeah, base, right?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you can you can buy you can buy the smaller one and kick it up. Let's let's just do that. You, I'll do that while you're while you're
3: no no even it. the even the smaller one is the base is a thousand bucks more to start just to get in the game on the max.
1: Well, six fifty here, according to whatever site I'm, I'm looking at, the Canadian site six fifty to go from the the base M1 Pro to the lower end
3: M1 Max. Well, okay, in the U S. Twenty four core to go from the. To go from the baseline, hold on. I got to go back to
1: the top. I like you got to move to Canada, man.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> it is nine hundred dollars more to go to to the, the the top of the line M1 Max on the on the fourteen inch.
3: No, you can't get a fourteen inch M1 at Max. What are you talking about?
1: Max, yes, you can. You can get the you can get the M1 Max chip inside. You can get the twenty four core or the thirty two core GPU. I mean, Great you can get those in uh,
3: on the fourteen. No, inch. That was only the sixteen inch. Can you get a Max as of- well? Yeah.
2: Oh, and it doesn't. The, the UI makes it look like it's not there, but if you do go into the 14 and then customize oh, it, you have to it customize starts with it? the Pro, but it gets you to the max as options.
3: Uh, oh, you're right. It does. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Okay. Yep.
2: Yeah. So you would you would you would stick with
1: the uh, with the Pro, right? Yes.
3: Yeah. Well, actually, yeah. You're right. It's only four hundred dollars difference from the.
1: It's a bargain at half the price. Exactly.
3: So, so I was I'm... comparing. What I was comparing <laughs> was the. Uh, the sixteen-inch baseline, yeah, the ten. Okay, it's not a thousand. It's eight hundred bucks See, I
1: okay. told you the configurations were confusing.
3: Yeah, <laughs> so you got the 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 middle baseline M1 Pro sixteen. That's a ten-core CPU, sixteen-core GPU, sixteen gig, one terabyte. Pro versus Max. Yeah, uh, Max is thirty-two core, thirty-two gig, one terabyte. It goes from twenty-six ninety-nine to thirty-four ninety-nine um but i wouldn't want just i wouldn't want just 16 gigs of memory i'd want 32 gigs of memory so let's see so yeah. if i did the if i went for the pro and bumped that up to it's $500 canadian by the way $400 american two yeah that's already 3099 so yeah
1: but you would go 14 or you'd go 16 right well
3: that's my first inclination but i do use external monitors a lot so yeah, i, I was couldn't gonna
1: say you do the yeah, clamshell thing and right. the yeah.
3: yeah and the i'll tell you this time around the difference between the 14 and the 16 is not as significant as in the past it's been between like the 13 and the 15 as far as i can tell because they used I, to have
1: they're relatively the same size like i yeah. have a, I've, I've seen i've taken a picture i've i've had a 16 and a 15 on my desk at the same time i'm not and
3: this. It's yeah, just it's like i'm not, not talking about I'm not talking about screen size i'm talking about. uh the chip oh, power and, and everything. Power, chip, it yes. used to always yeah, yeah. be the, the the smaller ones would max out at a certain clock speed, and the and the. But is that the also generation... because of
1: heat too? I would have thought the smaller ones would would have issues with heat, wouldn't you?
3: Because
1: less air less air to move inside, like with the fans and stuff.
3: Well, but
1: but you're right. They always they always seem to have a yeah. lower configuration option. They never really could go all the way to the top, right? Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know which one I'd get. All right, you got you got me here. You got me here. There are a lot of options. I'm, I'm
1: going to put you down. I'm going to put you down for a 16 with, or at least at least, or sort of the the M1 Pro, right? At with least a Pro. Thirty two gigs of RAM, yeah. right? And how much storage?
3: Well, see, that's the thing. If I get the thirty two gigs of RAM for the for the M1 Pro, that's almost the same as a Max at that point. It's only a couple hundred bucks more to get the Max.
1: But you, uh, the Max doesn't come with RAM. It comes with just cores, right?
3: 32-gig unified memory versus 16-gig unified memory.
1: Oh, you're saying oh, if you go to the... If, you if go I got a G- Pro
3: and bumped up to the 32-gig unified memory, then I got, oh, I see then I got a 16-core GPU, 32-gig unified memory <laughs> Pro versus a 32-core GPU, 32-gigabyte <laughs> unified memory Max for only yeah. a couple hundred dollars difference. So right. in that case, so it's,
1: a, it's a medium cop popcorn problem. Yeah, right?
3: you're exactly right. Yeah, <laughs> and you know that Apple marketing spent months. I was going to say hours, but they spent more than hours. They spent months figuring, being yeah, very were, deviously yeah. figuring this all out, so that we do make exactly the same. I don't know if they were being argument. Devious,
1: <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Okay. So, so I'm I'm not quite sure. Are, are you going with one terabyte or two terabytes? Oh
3: yeah, no one terabyte. Yeah, I don't need more one. than a terabyte of.
2: Yeah. Of and how about SSD? you, honey? What would you get? I would probably go with the 16-inch MacBook Pro in space gray. I'm going to get the 30, sorry, 64-gig unified memory. I don't need a lot of storage space on device, so I'm going to cheap out on the 1-terabyte okay. SSD, which brings me to $3,899. Yeah. And the strategy here is to... It's not a full max out on everything, but to... Basically, ride this one into the ground. Right? Yeah, yeah, so I'm buying for longevity. not... So you 30, thirty-two
1: gigs of RAM. Is what no, no, sixty-four because
2: that 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 will oh. give me a lot of yeah. mileage longer than. Um, oh, you can make
1: a RAM disk with that. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I mean, yeah. R- rather than doing other things, and since it does have you know enough ports, it, I mean, I could even throw in an SD card in there if I actually needed more. Uh, yeah.
3: You know, on-the-go storage space. Um, but. You know, you say that now, the longevity thing now, but next year when they come out with the M2, or the year after yeah. they come out with the M2, yeah, you, you might be saying a different story, singing a different song.
1: Yeah, just yeah. trying and to... The trade-in value on
2: 64 <laughs> gigs versus 32 gigs is not going to be that great, really. Yeah, and here I am trying to flush it down the toilet and it's not going down <laughs> <laughs> to get the new hotness, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Oh yeah, I was you know I was looking at the six uh, the 14 inch models, which is why I didn't see that the uh, the oh yeah you can get the 32 gig one. I get I see what you're saying. Um, for me, it's a uh, I, it, clearly for me it's a 14 inch because I'm smaller Mac kind of guy. And then I think I might go with 16 gigs of RAM or because I currently have 16 gigs of RAM. I think in my in my current one, I have got a two terabyte in the in the Intel, and I'm kind of wondering why, because I don't really think I need that much storage space. It's nice to not have to worry about, you know, constantly deleting the the podcasts and stuff like that because I run out of space. But um, I always worry. For me, I'm always worried about how much data I can lose in a crash. Right. Um, and you know it's it's up to me to make sure make sure it's backed up, right? So I so I, I I have a bunch of Seagate, you know, two terabyte, four terabyte, eight terabyte drives actually now um, that I use to back up things. But um, do you use you know, hard drives
3: or do you use SSDs for backup?
1: I, a combination of both, right? It, it, I mean, it's economy, right? Like right yeah. now, an eight terabyte drive is Expensive. still under two hundred bucks or something like that. And and all it's doing is backing up data. It's not really meant. I'm not using it. I'm not writing with it. I'm not doing video editing on it. I'm just backing up data, so right. it doesn't need to be expensive, right? Right,
3: right. The SSD um, for that for that size is expensive. Oh, it's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So so you know though, you could get. So I just priced out the 14 inch uh, yeah. with the M1 Max, the the highest one, the 32 core GPU, mm-hmm. uh, with 64 gigs of memory, unified yeah. memory. Thirty six ninety nine. It's only two hundred bucks less than the sixteen inch
1: of the same configuration. Yeah, had?
3: the one that Jaime just said. Yeah, really. Yeah, huh. yeah,
1: yeah. I, again, I think the one thing I might do, like, like you know, obviously, I wanted. I, I mean, I lived for like ten years on on eight gigabytes of memory on my in my uh, MacBook Air. So yeah, um, I, I I might go thirty two gig. Right. I I was actually thinking about the going with the 24 core m1 max in a 14 inch right because um there's two configurations of of uh, 14s and i would go you know the the one is it's only 250 fifty dollar bump to get to the 24 core gpu mm-hmm. um i do do you know some 3d stuff i do um final cut pro i do logic so i could probably benefit from the gpu and I do a lot of Photoshop and stuff like that, too. So that could probably help me, too. Um, and, and again, like Jaime sort of said, yeah, I'd, I probably would want to keep this Mac for a while. I mean, I fully intended to keep the 2020 MacBook Pro 13 that I bought because we didn't even know that the silicon chips were on the horizon, right, until last year at WWDC. But um, I fully intended to buy this Mac and, and have it for uh, many, many, many years, right? Um, so... But then, but now I've got like because now I actually have two Macs so I have this one Mac I just leave it on my desk and I do I'm recording the podcast on it right now but I actually po- ed- edit the podcast on the M1 Air because I find it's that much faster on on Logic Pro, on Logic Pro so I'm not really having the FOMO that I thought I would have over not be, not being able to order one of these right away mm-hmm. um, because I like I said to put the Monterey on and it's really and it's it's a it, seems really lickety-split to me, so I, I really don't see the need to run out and buy one right now. And and even if I did, i have to sell one of these two Macs, right? And that's, that's more effort too. But yeah, for me, it would be 14-inch, 24-core M1 Max, 24-core uh, GPU M1 Max, um, probably with 32 gigs of memory, uh, but, but probably only a one terabyte uh, SSD as well, right? So that would be my choice. Mm-hmm. So I think we're pretty close, right, in terms of our the only thing is you guys are talking 16s and i'm talking to 14 right
3: yeah but well, it's only 200 dollars difference
1: well that 200 dollars is your is your apple care mark <laughs> yeah because what is apple care on these guys it doesn't say i guess you have to go through the per oh let me just go add to bag oh i'm gonna say add to bag just to see what the apple care price is apple care 299 apple care plus and it's not apple care it's apple care plus so that gives you the three three years of accidental damage and expert tech support from apple For me, it's like, it's all about, it's a laptop, you know. Mind you, if I was commuting more, like, I mean, I'm not, I'm still working from home. So I'm really not taking these guys on the road with me on a regular basis, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So, so uh, for me, Apple Care is just warranty, right? Um, That's pretty much the the deal for me with that. (laughs) You can still get a USB-C to USB-A adapter. Nice. Um, Only for $25. Yeah. But yeah, that's cool. Um, That's, that's what I would do. So what else did they talk about at the, the the conference? Was there anything else that we that they talked about? Well, the
3: <laughs> sorry, what was it sorry music? We haven't talked about music at all.
2: Oh, the Apple the Music voice plan? voice plan
3: and yeah, the, so, and the uh, AirPods and the HomePod Minis. Yeah,
2: yeah. So, so I I think the voice plan is an interesting option for folks who like. How many complaints have we seen since Apple Music came out that like the UI is just unintelligible. If you go way back to whatever that was, I think it was 2015, and you listen to those episodes, I myself talk about how confused I am because I didn't really use the iOS or macOS UIs for Apple Music for quite some time. I just asked Siri, hey, play this album or play, uh, you know, best of the 80s or something, right? And it was brilliant for that, right? It was really good for that use case So this. It being, you know, cheap at $5 a month, and, uh, you know, if it was good back in 2015, it's probably even better in 2021, or at least the same. It seems like a, a pretty good deal. you know. How for- does
1: that compare to Spotify? That's what I was kind of wondering about the pricing. Oh, I don't Is know. Is it cheaper than Spotify? Yeah, to be honest with uh-huh. you, like I, I, you know, I only use the the music app to, to sort through my my own CDs and stuff like that. But I mean, like most of that stuff has moved been moved over to the the cloud, uh, cloud music. What do they call it? iCloud Music. Um, yeah, it's all in Apple Music. Now. They've basically hijacked all my my burned stuff and just
2: given me access to it online, right? Let's um, see here. So, if you're not a student, so students get four ninety nine a month. After offer period, so assuming we're ignoring students as a class of people, look like the lowest pricing is nine ninety nine a month for uh, Spotify. Hmm. Hmm.
3: So um, I wonder how serious they are about the voice only. Does it mean that just if you try to use the the music app on your phone, you just don't have any access to Apple Music? I mean, I suppose they can do that.
1: It's just like so how do you know what song is playing? I guess it shows up on the shows up on the lock screen or something.
3: Yeah, I, yeah. Well, there's, so in the Apple Music app, there's a couple of different sections, right? There's the kind of current playing now section, sort of. Then there's your library, and then there's the browse Apple Music section, right? So yeah. presumably, you'd have access to your own library and your own, and the and the playing now, you just wouldn't have access to the Apple Music tab. Right.
1: And uh, presumably, you can play Apple Apple Radio too, right? Play all the radio stations? I
3: don't know. Don't know. Hmm.
1: Yeah, it's hard to say. They but, did but say yeah, I guess the, it went by
3: kind of fast in the in the uh, event, but there were things on the screen like no access to lyrics in Apple Music on the Mac. Okay, and, yeah, yeah, and well, yeah. do you ever use that anyway? I, I don't ever use that. So, well,
1: I mean, that, that may be the idea. Maybe maybe the they they're working on customer feedback that says you know they don't really need the lyrics. They don't really need to look at the album cover. I mean. You know, the album art and the information about the artist, it's not really like it was, you know, you used to get a CD and you would stare at that CD and read all the, every single sentence in the liner notes and that kind of stuff as you listen to the music, right? That, yeah. that kind of experience has all gone away from from uh, listening, enjoying, and consuming music, right? You know? Mm-hmm. You're not getting up to go across the living room to change the record or flip it over and that kind of stuff like we used to have to do back in the cave days, right? Yeah. Um,
3: Remember, did you ever have one of those... Uh, special uh record player adapters where you could stack up like four yeah, albums oh, yeah. at a time the and 45s?
1: it well even order the 45s yeah, yeah for sure yeah yeah and they would, would always drop, drop it too many like, of them on yeah
3: yeah <laughs> i may mean, as no, no idea used, what we're talking about
1: <laughs> yeah no i nope, mean like right. if you if, when you would buy singles right you would buy you'd buy like a song and then and it would be like one side of a, of a disc and then um Somebody sort of said uh, somebody called it those CDs with the paper. Yeah, but
3: uh, and that's anyway, why so when like, you when you bought a double album, it would have sides one and four on one record, and he, two oh, and yeah. three on the other record. So you could stack them up, and and it would oh, right? it would yeah, drop the first one, then drop yeah. the second one, so you could listen to them in order. Then you have to only have to flip the well, whole here, thing once.
1: Here's a question I have for you, Mark. And this is like I can think of a like a, a gazillion albums that I had over yeah. the years, right, where yeah. I would only listen to one side of an album on a regular basis
3: yeah yeah
1: you know like side one was generally the side that you would listen to and you rarely very rarely flipped it over and listened to side two because because of the whole inconvenience factor right of getting right. up and lifting it off and flipping it over and wiping it off wiping the dust off of it and it
3: reinforced itself because people knew that you weren't doing that so they put all the good songs on side one and didn't put them you on think? side two yeah i think so mm. yeah yeah
1: yeah it's funny, I wonder what the decision-making... for Because people are now putting albums out on l- vinyl again. I wonder if they're going through that whole decision process, right? So, hmm. yeah. Did you know... I think I, I'm pretty sure that Frank Zappa was one of the first people to do a gatefold cover on his first album. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll leave yeah. that out there for the fact check. Yeah, okay. <laughs>
3: <laughs> first mother's was, album you're talking about?
1: Absolutely free, yep. Yeah. Um, wasn't free, though. Um, yeah, cool. And, and, of course, the the HomePod thing was just basically colored. Debut the debut album was Freak Out. Freak Out. Sorry, Freak Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you look at it, I think it's a gatefold, right? Um, let's see. I have the album cover here somewhere. Somebody gave it to me.
3: Wikipedia says it was also one of the earliest double albums, albums in rock music. Oh, as, double album. Okay. As well as the first two-record debut album, album. Yep, you're yeah. right.
1: Interesting. All right. yeah um,
3: Anyway, more than just code.
2: <laughs> <laughs> HomePod minis, uh, as part of, yep. you know, the getting some new stuff out there, it kind of works, you know, thematically with the voice-only Apple Music plan. Um, I don't think they modified them in any way other than, you know, some more colors, uh, additional colors. Uh, we didn't talk about AirPods, I don't think. Yeah, the the, the medium popcorn AirPods, right? Yeah. Okay, so let's go through this because... I had gone into the event without much knowledge other than, oh, they're probably going to have some AirPods. I said, oh, you know, it's been about two years since they had the AirPod um, AirPods Pro. And I said, you know, I think I'm I'm willing to invest there. I really would like to have that. But I don't want to buy two years ago's devices, knowing that how silly would it be to do like the day before the event. So I waited and I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, 179. Okay. Oh, wait, what? There's there's no pro <laughs> there's no update to the pro with the yeah. uh, noise cancelling and everything else like oh i don't want to oh they don't have, oh they don't have noise cancelling oh okay. yeah like, i think you put it quite correct in your your metaphor there these are the uh, the medium popcorns i'm like no i don't want that <laughs> I, want the, <laughs> I want the more expensive popcorn that's cheaper per volume you know um i i was disappointed and and long listeners of the show you when know, i say wait a minute i thought you said you didn't want to go the AirPods right route because they hurt your ears well yeah. let me tell you um i have been wearing ear pods and granted it's not exactly the same shape but ear pods for a while and historically i have said that those start to hurt my ears pretty quickly i guess in my old age because i have no other things to go on um I have roomier ear holes, <laughs> so <laughs> they do not hurt anymore. Or maybe I they have more old man hair in my ears or something, so it's, it's cushiony yeah. now, right? But either way, I feel like that problem is gone, so I was excited for AirPods Pro with noise canceling. I'm less excited for these. And I'm like, well, will I, well, will they, I feel AirPods okay? AirPods have
1: those little silicon tips, which I don't like. I don't like those. I have them on my like Beats Pro, but... I'm not a big fan of having that thing jammed into your ear, right? So, mm-hmm. like you're supposed to, bu- you're supposed to put the appropriate size one on the end, so you can, so it goes into the ear canal and gives you that whole sort of, you know, full-bodied bass and stuff like that, right? I tend to put a larger size one on, so it just sits in the big round part of my ear, as opposed to in the actual ear canal, right? And you're basically, you know, it kind of, it's kind of directing. I mean, the earbuds for me have always sort of directed the sound towards the ear canal because of the way they're shaped and stuff like that um yeah I, i'm I, I'm kind of interested to see i still i do you know again like i don't know maybe it's my old manness but like on my air my air my beats pro have a cable between the two of them right i think that's i'm less likely to lose that it's like having you know the string on your when you were a kid you had the string on your your hand your gloves so they wouldn't you wouldn't lose one or the other you know i don't think you had this problem in el paso jaime but Mark Mark probably knows what I'm talking about. I know
3: what you're talking about. I never did that, but I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I, you
1: didn't know, have as much you know much snow or tobogganing as we had. No, we no,
3: kids. I had plenty of snow, but i I wasn't the lose my glove kid. there was always the, there was always the lose my glove kid, and maybe that was you Tim.
1: <laughs> well my, my, I think my mother just used to do it to all of us, right okay. So. It was handy because you just took them off and they just hang there yeah, right? while you're okay. Yeah, doing other, while you're doing your your motor mechanics or putting your Bobby Orr card on your bike to make the motorcycle sound, you know. Yeah, yeah. But uh, cans free kind of technology, right? Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not a I don't know. Just I I don't mind the air. I you know I have earbuds or earbuds, but what do you call these old things? Air. Pods? I've lost track now. Where's that graph that we had the other day, me with the Airbud and,
2: uh, <laughs> Air uh, and the Airbud and the the two by two chart? Yeah. yeah.
1: The matrix. Yeah, it's in like our
2: Slack that. somewhere.
1: <laughs> the Steve Jobs chart that used to show the AirBud and the AirPods and the yeah. Maybe that'll be our show art this week. Um cool. All right. I, I did post an article here that I read earlier today, and it was—I uh, don't know if this guy is a fan of of Mac versus PC, but he's—he basically says with the new M ones have come out, uh, the Windows Windows world is in trouble because they they really haven't, you know, the Intel's and so on and so forth haven't kept up with uh, the technology that that Apple's you know Apple's making these screaming fast devices, and and Windows is kind of like a, they're in a race to the bottom. He says in his article. In terms of the technologies, right, yeah, that using
3: but but they're okay with that, you know. They yeah, they that's what yeah, they, they <laughs> sell thousands of them for every one mm. Mac that gets sold. True, that's
1: so, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you said, Chromebook for two hundred bucks. Yeah. true, right. Yep. Yeah, true. Cool. Um, yeah, and we we I we kind of touched on Monterey too, but you've got here Jaime an article about
2: Monterey coming out officially, officially on October twenty fifth. So.
1: Yeah, that's the ship date of the, the new Macs as well. Like if you had, or if you had ordered on the, the first minute that they were in announced, right? So that's next um, Monday,
3: right? It's, yeah, it's a Monday. The, right. the,
1: but the release candidate for Xcode 13.1 came out on Monday, and so did the release candidate for Monterey, mm. Yeah, which is what I'm, I'm rocking right now. So Cool. Are you guys going to try it out right away, or are you going to wait and see? people like me break our computers first
2: oh i'm definitely a wait and see and since you have the edgiest of edge cases if it works for you it will almost certainly work for me so
1: and one caveat in case you don't know or you missed it or you're under a rock um you cannot run xcode 12 on monterey oh yeah
2: that that did leave that there it did come out and that's a interesting one like it (laughs)
1: it is you need you need to to run 12.5 or or xcode 13 you need to have big Sur on your computer but you cannot run xcode 12 on monterey xcode 13 only i, I wonder how many people are going to get caught and people have already been caught by that on the beta program but i wonder how many people are going to get caught by that on you know when they grab monterey and go with it right
2: yeah i i yeah. have never liked and and this is really you know an ios developer problem right like like Yes. regular people's out in the world that don't have this problem, but I have not liked how careful I have to be. It was like, okay, so <laughs> I would like to upgrade my phone, but, but will my Xcode yeah. support yeah. my new phone, or will I suddenly lose the ability to yeah. debug on my device Yeah. and have to think about that. And you just bring another flavor in there with the, well, if you're trying to use Xcode 12, you're yeah. going to be in a world hurt. Yeah.
1: Yeah. On that happy note, I, I just, uh, uh, we sunsetted one of our major apps, uh, last month. And, uh, so I've gone from last year, I was in four development groups and now I'm, or five development groups. And now I'm in, I'm just, I'm in just three, two of them, which I use, which are my personal ones. And then one that's with my day job. So, yeah. So uh, less, less of a worry is what I'm getting at. Like that's all, that was always a consideration for me. Like Carol always had to keep her phone, not that she, really minded but she kept her version one version behind in case i ever needed to test a build or something <laughs> you know uh and i and i was like like kind of ham-handedly went and updated uh my phone before realizing oh crap the xcode thing right you know anyway cool yeah so yeah this our, my psa about monterey and let's move on to our picks then shall we mm-hmm so uh, I tweeted out this morning. Um, by the time you this show comes out on Saturday, hopefully, uh, today's Wednesday the twentieth. Um, Apple has announced uh, Tech Talks twenty 2020, twenty twenty one. I think they run from October twenty fifth to when do they run? I didn't look at the schedule.
2: December seventeenth. Do you want to try that link? Yeah.
1: So. I wonder if they're going to have repeating... Oh, it's not working for me now. Yeah, I was
2: going to ask you if that worked for you. So it should be developer.apple.com. I was like, oh, "Oh, dev.apple.com. Do they have that? And I was promptly told no by the browser. I probably
1: copied it from my phone. That's probably why. Or from, yeah, developer. Anyway, I'll fix the link in develop. Does develop developer work? Mm -hmm. Developer.apple.com tech talks. Yeah. So yeah, these are these are tech talks that they're holding. Um, I think are are the, all the sessions up now, or are they are because I didn't realize they see until
2: December. Um, I read somewhere that they were going to be publishing a new schedule every so often. Maybe okay. it was in the yeah, email or something like that.
1: Right, because, cause, I mean, as soon as I looked at it, the Swift UI one was already sold
2: out. Oh, here we go. We'll, it. we'll post new sessions and office hours every two weeks. So that is November 1st, the 15th, and 29th on the web and in the Apple Developer app.
1: Right. Yeah, I and mean, so if you miss it, if you miss it the first go around, you can, you can always get into future sessions, right? But anyway, I guess it's going to be for the next little while that uh, we're going to have access to Apple engineers. Very, I think very similar to the... The talks that they did at um, WWDC, right? The forums and stuff? Did you guys sign Sounded up for any like of them, Or did you sign up for any sessions? I,
2: I did not, no. no. I did not. And At the, uh, the jobby job, I directed... Uh, directed, that sounds official. I pointed out <laughs> to the mobile folks, like, hey, I don't know if I got this email earlier than anybody. Please go sign up yeah. uh, on behalf. Yeah. And, you know, just... I, I definitely could sign up for this sort of thing, but I feel like since I don't have a specific, you know, burning need, yeah. I don't want to take up a yeah. slot
3: for somebody else who yeah, is m- like desperately these, trying to talk to someone. It's funny that they call them tech talks. So it used to be a tech talk was like a presentation on some new technology yeah. or something. Yeah. Now most of these these are just you know a, appointments where you can talk to a to a, presumably a dev.
1: Is it a one on one thing or is it like a like a everybody in room kind of deal?
3: I don't know these online office hour appointment. I don't know what that means. I mean, would you want to talk about all your stuff uh, oh, in, the, in a yeah, room full of people? Right. I don't know. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: It says request an appointment with an Apple technology evangelist for a conversation about your app or game.
1: Uh-huh.
3: Get practical. I'm just reading the first one, the technology evangelism one, get practical advice, uh, personalized recommendations. Conversation can focus on relevant frameworks and best practices, or it can be a broader discussion of your app. Come hmm. come prepared with a working prototype, development build, or release app. It seems it sounds like it's one on one. So
1: oh okay okay
3: gotcha yeah. But then there's a few. When you scroll down, there's some different ones. There's there's the uh, I'm still scrolling down. Okay, then you get the online sessions like training custom Corel models with your app or a conversation with Swift UI engineering. Those it sounds like it's more of a group setting. As it says, we'll take you through some of the latest changes to SwiftUI, including how to create and customize links inside text views, et cetera. So it sounds like that's more of a presentation.
2: Right, right. But
3: these are the ones that are all full, of course. Even the wait list is full for that one. I bet cool. you they all are. The ML one is full. The-
1: so, yeah, this this next section I'm going to throw over to Jaime, but I, I put up some links that are very similar to what you did. So I think we're, our picks section is going to be almost like a whole discussion. So. Jaime, mean, why don't you hit us up with your first uh, first link there?
2: Yeah, so this is kind of the season. If uh, you know aliens recover this podcast recording in the future, know that here in the month of October of 2021, it's kind of a weird world when it comes to trying to attract and retain software engineering talent. It is an utter nightmare if you're an employer, which means that if you're an employee, now is the time to, or was for the aliens, uh, was the time to, to strike because, um, there's kind of a whole brand new world for the moment where uh, there's a lot of leverage that sort of taking a step back employees in general have. So people who don't generally have leverage, like we're, we're talking, you know, people who are working at that fast food restaurants, example, McDonald's and Wendy's, like they're hurting for people. They are Printing on the bags. Hey, we're hiring at way higher, flexible work life. And, oh, like, we'll pay you same day. They invest in hamburgers at home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's like, holy smokes. Like, that is (laughs) wild. Like, we're, you know still in the pandemic feeling the effects so it's caused some changes and this has as you might imagine if it's happening at wendy's it is definitely happening for software engineering so so do you so you're saying that that it's
1: the time of year because of like year-end negotiations or something? no or i'm just, saying just the end of the pandemic sort of and the world has now realized that we can do our work from home kind of thing
2: well the pandemic has caused i think something interesting where um you know for let's say like the the mega tech companies, right? The, the Fangum folks, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google, and, um, Microsoft. Um, Oh, that where you get Fangum from? Yeah. Uh, or (laughs) FanMag. Like, I I don't think I've seen a a consistent one that, um, people use when they include Microsoft. Microsoft come back from the ashes is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they they weren't getting mentioned. And, um, there is no longer the the internet meme of like must be willing to live in San Francisco to work at those companies. Now, granted, Microsoft is not in there; they're kind of a weirdo one out here in Redmond, Washington, right? But like, it largely held true, and so what that meant is that, you know you either uprooted your family from like Ohio and moved over to the Bay Area, or you didn't, and you got paid less money because. You know, the, all the competition uh, for for pricing of of salary was over in the Bay Area. Well, the pandemic forcing everybody to be working from home for at least a while, and some companies are staying fully virtual, means that sort of the calculus has changed, right? So I'm going to throw out like very arbitrary numbers that people who make you know salaries in different regions will probably slap me on the hand and say, "Oh, that's not correct." Like the, the point is the numbers. Let's just make up some numbers to make the math easy. So let's say your base salary would have been $300,000 had you been willing to go live in San Francisco, right? Or, wait, what? <laughs> or if you lived in, you know, Ohio, you would get a pretty good job working at $100,000. Well, now a lot of the big tech companies are like, wait a minute, so I can pay maybe $200,000 meaning double the normal local price of $100,000 for an Ohio software engineer, and cut my costs in third, you know, by one third. was like, oh, yeah, oh, absolutely, by talent at $200,000. So what that means is that for all the local companies in Ohio that were used to paying $100,000, they suddenly have to pay $200,000 to compete with the Facebooks, Amazons, Apples, Netflix, Googles, and Microsofts of the world. So it has caused an insane amount of, of competition across at least the US map. So again, looking at this from a US lens, I can't speak to what's going on in Canada or other parts of the world. You all have your own things, but here in the U.S., it is wild right now. There's a lot of churn, right. so
1: yeah, it, it is pretty hot here too. Canada, anyway.
2: Yeah, so my my first link here is uh, dusting off an old uh, an old article. It's from 2012 called uh, "Salary Negotiation: Make More Money, Be More Valued." It's a it's a really good read. I highly recommend people. You know, even if you're not actively looking, go read that and absorb some of the stuff they talk about of like hey don't feel bad asking for like five thousand dollars more that might be meaningful to you that is not meaningful to the company and it's not meaningful to the hiring manager or even hr they really just want to fit you into a number right and if and it would be silly for them to lose you over five thousand so use that kind of model to to think about it and negotiate differently with leverage
1: cool yeah i think i think definitely my sort of few pieces here are going to be about making sure you're negotiating not just for for pay but also for other things as well but that's cool what's your what's your next pick
2: second one goes right in line so if you are um uh, talking to like private companies generally who have uh, stock options as a potential part of their compensation package there's a million different resources you could use to look at that and try to figure out you know are we going to be like a Facebook billionaire kind of uh, thing, or oh, good, I, I, I can buy a Kia, a Kia Soul with my, with my four years vested, um, you know, stock options, or will I end up with absolutely worthless paper, not even paper, digital paper, right? The Online, you know, carta account tell me that this is worth nothing. It's really hard to calculate that out. And you really do have to know a ton of stuff about the cap table and preference and participation. And odds are pretty good that the company's not going to want to tell you that, even if they're, you know, talking about being pretty open. So somebody out here on the interwebs, I'm sure I can find it on their Twitter. What does it have here? This dude, who is this dude? I'm going to click the link here. TLD drop options. Is that what he calls his tweet? Well, the website is TLDR stock options that gives you sort of a very rough back of the envelope calculator of like what percentage of the company have you been offered and what, you know, which series of funding, which round of funding have they, have they had. And you can just use a little slider and say, well, what if they IPO at like, in my case, let's see, let's choose, let's say 0.1% of a series, uh, let's say a series A. So if that company sells for $194.8 million, which is about the same as what Heroku did, um, this is on the, the, the smaller end, right? So like 65% of companies will never exit. 15% right. of companies will have low exit. If you do the math, 80% of all companies will have basically worthless or no value right. exits. Right. So in your uh, you know 20% chance, and being on the low end, in six years, you could be looking at something like $7,702 or not. Hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, you could crank this all the way up if you want. You know, um, you know, if, if your same 0.01% of a Series A company sells for $110 billion, with a B dollars in six years, you might get $4 million, right? So that's kind of an interesting sort of rough thing to use. Again, not yeah,
3: uh, no, CPA or anything. I tend to think the the vertical scale is very suspect uh, because one Series A company and the next Series A company are not the same thing. You get one Series A for ten million, uh, and the other Series A was fifty million, and so the same percentage of those two things. I mean, I guess they're they're using the back end of they're they're assuming that. The exit price scales linearly with the C- Series A or Series B price, but I'm not sure that's reality.
1: Uh, well, if you if you grab the little yellow slider thing there, that's there, you can you can slide back and forth, and it's like it gives you examples of who sort of opened or sold right. that like caviar. That's, right, you know, so that's you,
3: that's the exit all the
1: way up to Facebook. Right, that's the
3: exit price. Yeah, but you when you're given a percentage of a Series A, that's based on a the the uh, the VC price, the the Series A price, Series A value, right? So that's why I'm saying. So one Series A could be a ten million dollar round, and a different Series A for a different company could be a fifty million dollar round. And so 0.1 percent of ten million dollars is different than 0.1 percent of fifty million dollars. They could both exit at the same place, right? The exit price. This is what I'm saying. They make they they may be making an assumption that the exit price is proportional to the entry price, but I'm not sure that's reality. However, so okay, so the vertical axis, yeah, absolute numbers are sort of meaningless. But I think what makes total sense and is something that people don't often don't think about is the x-axis, where 65% make nothing, 15% make low exits, which means you basically get you know, for your six years of time, you get, you know, 10,000 bucks, woohoo, thanks. Uh, right. And it's very few companies actually make a, a reasonable amount. I mean, if, if you think about, you know, how few of these companies make, you know, even on this chart, you know, if you're for for six years worth of investment, you know, if you're not making, you know, a million dollars out of that, right? After six years of, of this, you know, of this uh, deferred compensation, Probably wasn't worth your while, right? Because time is money, right? You could get mm. some of that money up front by working in a different company, but with a startup, you defer all that compensation for years and years, and the risk of it never coming. So for that, you better get some reward at the end, and generally, you don't. So this is the yeah, this is the, the discussion we were having the other day about about startups. You know, they're great, but man, they uh, they generally don't pay off unless you get really lucky.
1: No, you're better better off to buy a stack of lottery tickets, right? You know,
3: well, I wouldn't go that far, but
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, it's, it's, it's about
2: where you're, you're valuing things. Right. So, so I threw in here in the calculator, if you were offered uh, 1% of a series a company and it sells for 110 billion, this is about the same as Facebook, you know, 435 million is pretty nice. You know, well, it's not sure. It's not a capital B billion like you would think, right? It's like wait a minute, 1% of 110 billion one, nope, that's not the way it works. But wait,
1: but are you, are you in here to put buttons on an iPhone or, or to or to buy 20 yachts? That's, I guess that's the reason, <laughs> right? Sort of, so what's your purpose of being in this company,
2: right? So, so that's where you have to figure out like some cost benefit analysis. So looking at just purely money, right? Just as a comparison, not making a suggestion here. If you were to go work for Amazon and let's say they gave you just to be like ridiculously conservative, let's say they gave you 10 shares of stock. Well, right now their stock is actually down a little bit today, but it's sitting at, let's call it. $3,400 just to make the math easy. So if they gave you 10 a share a single share. So if they give you 10, they've effectively given you, you know, over your four to five year vest, about $34,000. As long as you, you know, do the work and like, don't get fired. That is way better from a calculus standpoint of, you know, going at a startup versus going and working at Amazon. Now yep. that doesn't consider at all the, uh, the, the, you know, the, the very different culture you're working on, right? You are a tiny cog in a ginormous state level machine at Amazon. At a startup, you might be like the entire mobile team. You might be the entire tech yeah. team, right? Yeah. Like you've got a, a different sort of benefit to your, you know, what kind of things you're going to be doing and the sort of um, control of your own destiny. Hmm. So I'm okay. not. So, but our company actually giving you
1: like 10 shares of like at that, would they actually be giving you that kind of money to, to as like a
2: signing bonus? So 10 shares, just to be really clear is a number yeah. I chose because it's easy math. And I'm like, okay, yeah, look, okay. think about it. You know, do you think Amazon stock five years from now would be less than equal to, or greater than 3,400, assuming no split, right? I assume it will be higher. So at the floor is $34,000 over the four to five years they've given you. And right. that is that they give you 10, they give you a hundred You know, do the math. There, it's sort of thirty-four. Yeah, but they're not going to give you three hundred thousand dollars, just
3: yes, they are. Yeah, they they, yes,
2: they are. So I intentionally chose a stupidly (laughs) small amount. I'm sure Mark was like biting his tongue. I'm like, because that was the surprise. That was the rhetorical surprise. Hey, ten is a stupid number. Turn down ten shares of stock from Amazon. They make you that offer and be like, no, give me a hundred, give me a thousand, give me some larger number. Really?
3: Yeah. yeah. Oh, Tim, I've, tell- the- I've been telling you for this this for years, that the it's not about the salary, it's about the equity at these companies. Oh, okay,
2: okay, all right. Yeah, okay. and well, since we've been in this... More than just epic- code, folks, that's why, yeah.
1: thanks for staying with us for this yeah. <laughs> long in the
2: show. So this all works. We all learned something. This all works because we've been in, in tech, for sure, in this unprecedented wild bull run. So, you know, who knows what happens with these sorts of things, if things crash really hard and... and Etc. Right. et cetera. Right. For, yeah, future forecast, not, not a, not a legal team, not a CPA team giving you advice, just giving you, giving you stacks.
1: Okay. So now my, my, my uh, pick sounds really stupid. <laughs>
2: um. No, <it's, laughs>
1: what are you talking about? These are perfect. They're, they're on theme. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so yeah, well, no, cause you the point number one. So what I was going to say was when I'm, when I'm talking to the companies about you know, working for them, I have a, uh, sort of list of things that I want to talk to them about I want to talk about work life balance I want to talk about you know are what 's the the tech stack like? what kind of tools am I working with? How big is the team? Do you follow agile principles do you you know, how do you manage your jobs and your boards and so? and these are questions I want to know because I want to know what kind of what my day is going to look like uh, what my week's going to look like what my month is going to look like right How do you do evaluations of performance that kind of stuff right um benefits i always talk and younger i find that younger developers who work free don't think about these questions when they're taking on a job is like you know as an older person myself benefits are important to me but they can be just as important to a younger person right and then things like like the place where i work has a pension plan well some places don't have pension plans that kind of stuff right um i don't even know if they have pension plans in the states No, they say that but so this they point exist. here,
3: they're I, not very common these days, but they exist. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, same, same, with, same with yeah. Canada. I mean, like the your manufacturing companies like your Fords and your GMs and stuff like that, they all have pension plans and, yep. and government jobs will have them and stuff like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we've had some family members who have been in the government and, and retired and they've gotten, you know, sick, sick, you know, payouts from their pension plans, which is great. Um so this is 12 12 pragmatic engineer is a pragmatic engineer test 12 questions about engineering culture that you should ask and it's based on a thing called the Joel test which was written 20 years ago by another developer but it's got some points here that things that you think you should think about and you should ask your potential employers when you're taking on a job and obviously we just talked about equity and profit share profit sharing and Mark just, you know, ripped the bandaid off that one for me. Um, <laughs> then, uh, and then the second one is, like, the roadmap and the backlog, you know, how can engineers contribute to that. back with Also with roadmap, you know, with, what's what the future product's going to look like, what the work you're going to be doing is going to look like. There's also tech debt that you might want to consider, like, in terms of if you're coming into an existing company, what kind of issues are they carrying along with them? Like, what kind of baggage do they have in their code base? um uh what is this engineers working on I see. oh yeah can you can, can are you like an individual contributor like jaime said are you the sole member of the team or are you part of a larger team and if you are uh are you able to contribute you know yourself or you work with a team work with, with other partners code reviews and testing like how are how are code reviews done or are are you like i've i've spoken to some companies recently uh, in interviews that i do with other people coming to join my company and my and my own stuff as well as like how do you do code reviews do you have two people looking at your code or is it just hey we test on our own our own phones and we hope it works when it gets to the customer is that the kind of testing you're doing or do you have a fully blown qa department that tests every every ticket you you push through right um uh, yeah, then com- continuous integration. You know, are you know, is there a system where basically you have like a fast lane thing or Jenkins or whatever you have to do builds uh, on the Joel test? He says, do you have like one process for creating a build, or are the engineers you know cranking out X code themselves and testing themselves and pushing up to 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 production as well? Um, are you using? Do you have an internal code base like a, a bo- open source software that people can contribute to? Like, do you have you know, uh, or are you using third-party open-source stuff? Mark's favorite stuff in the world. Um, uh, Encore, po- I get Encore policy is that about? I guess that's about people being on call in case of bugs. Is that the idea behind that? with you guys, what do you think?
3: Yeah, I think it's it's more about in the web world when you oh, you kind got, of pager
1: kind of thing. Yeah. yeah,
3: pager duty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. Technical managers are your managers, former software developers, so that when you talk to them about you know. Um, url session do they understand what you're talking about kind of thing career ladder is a very important one especially for younger developers like how do i go if i come in as a junior how do i get to be an intermediate how do i get to be a senior if i come in as a senior what is there what's what's beyond you know working there for two years two or three years what what future is there for me um yeah, and then feedback culture. Like, you know, how how do developers you know get reviews? Do you do 360 performance reviews, or how you know do peers rate rate your work, or that kind of stuff? And very important thing. Like, you know, in, in terms of uh, one thing that I have seen a lot of trouble with is is comments on PRs. Like, how how do how do you get feedback? How do you give feedback to your fellow developers, and how do you get feedback from your from your other developers reviewing your code? And then personal growth is obviously an important one. You know, that comes back to the work-like balance. So, you know, are, are, you, are you working in a startup where, you know, you're going to put in 80 hours a week for, again, who knows what reward, right? Or is it meant to be like, a, you know, a work job where you, you put in a healthy 40 hours a week and plus or minus here and there, um, that kind of stuff. So these are important considerations to consider, I think, when you're applying for a job. And you guys have any comments on that or anything else?
3: Yeah, I think for the most part these are these are good. I mean, they don't they don't necessarily all apply to every situation. Like the like the on call one doesn't apply to mobile developers generally. I mean, because
1: well, unless you're in the middle of a release, right? Like,
3: yeah, right, right. But that's not what they're talking about. They're talking about you know, for when you're on call, that's
1: yeah. You want the ninety nine point nine nine percent reliability of your website, kind of thing.
3: and, And yeah, it's there's that kind of place has someone who is always available if something goes wrong and right. if you're that person Maybe with the
1: server or yeah, yeah if yeah. you're
3: that person, right. you have to be available, even if it's three in the morning, you know, to right. you know, there's no, you no, know, no going out and having too much wine with dinner and going to yeah. sleep, right. That, that you can't yeah. do that. If you're carrying a you stuff. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, but for the most part, I think this is pretty good. Um, the one that I was a little surprised to see on there, but it makes sense is number three. Uh, mm-hmm. I've, I've never worked at a place where uh, you can't talk to other ICs and you have to go through through a project manager. And yeah, that's, that's, to that's, me, that's, that does sound
1: weird to me. Yeah, I if that wasn't were, sure, but I,
3: Yeah. I mean, that would be a, no, a non-starter. I mean, you, yeah. you would never, ever work at a place like that. Yeah. At least me, well, I wouldn't.
1: yeah. I think I think it depends on on the the mix and the culture. Culture is a very important part of a job. Mm-hmm, I mean, like mm-hmm. you know, like you know, you can get paid a bucket of money, but if it's if you're if you're wading through you know three feet of feces, are you really enjoying your job? Yeah, it's true. You know, so because you they might say you know coffee breaks over, everybody's down on their head now. Um, yeah, that's an old joke. But anyway. <laughs> Uh, my next link here is from our, fri- our friends over at Hired.com. Um, they have updated their software um, calc- or software calculator. Uh, it- and you go in there, they've got, it, it says on the tin, it says uh, jobs, software engineering jobs in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, but you can, you can sort of, you can choose, there's a menu here, you can choose like uh, software engineering or QA or data analytics, DevOps as well. Uh, You can put in the years of experience that you have. Uh, Are you like a junior, mid-level, senior, principal, or even a distinguished fellow if you're 10 years or more? And you can also put in your location. So they've got San Francisco, Bay Area. They've got Seattle, Washington, New York, uh, L.A., Toronto, Boston, London. They don't have... Austin, which is interesting. They do, it's under oh, SF
2: Bay area. Oh,
1: so I have to scroll. Sorry I have to scroll. Uh yeah, so Austin, Chicago, Dallas, Fort Worth is another good place to as from so, so you can choose like I you know, I can put in Toronto and it gives me based on in this example, uh for a mid level developer, 900, 967 salaries that they've collected uh what are people making kind of thing and and it shows you in canadian dollars in the case of toronto or in the case of like mark was just saying with san francisco bay area it shows you the kind of pays that people are of that same ilk are getting and that's based on in Ca- uh, california there's more uh sa- a sample base is bigger obviously 3200 uh, salaries here and uh yeah so it's it's kind of cool it shows you the kind of skills you need to get to get sort of thing so it, it's um similar to the equity thing, but this is just based on the base pay, I guess. Uh, base salary kind of idea, right? So Yeah,
3: yep. and I actually found it to be a bit low <laughs> <laughs> for the Bay Area. Really? Uh, for base salary, yeah.
1: Well, this is based on the people who are reporting. I mean, yeah. again, it's it's yeah. similar to, like, you know, podcast stats. You only get what you, what people actually uh, contribute, right? Right, so right. People have to opt in on higher, I mean, like how many people do you know that actually know hired hired.com even exists right
2: so. right right to add some flavor to Mark's point this is just like an additional data set you know you got to keep you know
1: yeah well like I said before you got that stuff. whole recipe of stuff you want to consider as well right yeah beyond yeah. beyond just what you're getting paid there's more to life than more
2: than more than just code
1: yeah it's to getting
2: that's where it's good to try to understand a lot of this sort of thing um because I don't know, do they say what the year was for this? Because let me tell you, everything shifted by a this whole bunch. This is brand bunch. new,
1: it's just shiny new stuff.
2: Yeah, but when, when, when then, this might be come out just now? What's the data period? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Uh, uh, I'm going to pretend it was like 2020. Well, guess what? And here in October 2021, everything yeah. has shifted by like at least an entire segment for all of these values. I don't have yeah. facts and data to prove that. I just know that uh, the market is hot. Recruiters are are calling everybody. If you're a hiring manager, you're ripping your hair out and saying, "Oh my gosh, how much money do they want?" Okay, well, that's what the other candidate was asking too. So, you know, it's uh, it's good good to do that.
1: Yeah, well, they used to have that that sort of uh, they used to have that map. Remember, they had the map, and you could click on Toronto or click on San Francisco, and it would show you the cost of living versus what you could get paid. Right. So th- those are obviously factors too, right? So.
3: Yeah. I mean this kind of thing is useful if you're thinking of like relocating from one area to another area and you want to see relatively what the difference is because if you don't know anything about the place you're going to and they throw a number at it it might seem really high. I mean a lot of people I think that happens to a lot of people in the Bay Area where yeah, they you know, they get offered a a pretty high salary and then they get here and they find out that with that super high salary compared to what they were used to, you can't even afford to buy a house because things are just so crazy expensive here. Right. So right. so it is useful for that kind of thing. For what sure. What
1: is what does a house cost? What's the average cost of a house and like well, semi-detached house I mean, or something like that?
3: It depends where you are, um, but you know, I don't know. And there's a whole of course there's a whole range, but but you know, like a, a, yeah, you know, in San Jose, you know, you're probably talking 2 million to get into something that's even sort of a somewhat startery.
1: Really, yeah. yeah, I
3: mean, it's crazy here. It's crazy here, yeah, I mean, there are cheaper things i mean, I mean I'm you know there. I'm not yeah, saying I that. mean
1: it's hard to say, yeah, yeah. you can always yeah. go on Zillow or check it out, but yeah right, but I think yeah. those are the things, like it's not just that, it's also you know cost of cost of transportation, cost of food, you know, yeah, yeah. a lot of people in California too, right, It's another thing you have to consider, right,
3: yeah, yeah, I mean the the nice thing about I hesitate to even say it like this because it's kind of, sounds a little cold, but the the bright side of the pandemic was people were off the roads there wasn't traffic it wasn't <laughs> as crowded yeah 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 but well, it's, it's coming back thing now thing here.
1: yeah yeah same thing here um yeah we're not quite opened up i was downtown a couple of days ago actually during the, the apple presentation i was driving around downtown i'm still not taking public transit you know um but uh yeah, uh, it was very sparse in terms of, like, I would have expected to be a lot more pedestrians out, but there was very few, right? So it was almost like a really cold winter day, but it wasn't. It was like, you know, 20 degrees here, which is like 72. Yeah, cool. Anyway, so yeah, there's your tools. Like Jaime said, there's a good time of year to be sort of thinking about this stuff, even if you're not really thinking about it. Um, yeah, it's kind of, and it's, and it is a, it's a, a hot market time, I think, right?
2: All around. Yeah, I'm going to try to avoid my rant because every time I talk, every time I talk to folks outside the U.S., there's always a misunderstanding on on prices and a lot of discussion about. It eventually ends up in politics land. I'm going to avoid that. Yeah, and yeah. and say I think there is a distinct and granted again, saying this as an American, kind of looking at other markets outside of America. I think there is a distinct difference in the approach to how companies think of software engineering talent in the U S versus outside of the U S. So in the U S regardless of what they might actually think about us, right? Like I can't proclaim to say, you know, that they're thinking, uh, you know, kittens and rainbows about their software developers coming in at like 11 AM doing all sorts of weird, funny stuff, wearing weird clothes and doing all sorts of things. Um, When it comes to the show me the money part, they definitely do show the money of like they treat us Um, like you know, like rock stars. And and that could be out of necessity, but like they don't they don't let it be known through their actions and money that we are an absolute necessity. They treat us like beloved people. My perception of software engineering outside of the United States is that they seem to treat people as if they're some sort of bother and (laughs) it is a privilege for you to have a job versus you know the other way around when the u.s is like it's a privilege for you to have hired me is the feeling and i think that's the fundamental difference i see and my belief on like why these salaries get way out of whack when you compare u.s versus non-u.s interesting Mm. so since people in other countries are really hot on on building unions and stuff (laughs) <laughs> you know, maybe you all should collude <laughs> to raise up your prices as a uh, your salaries as a as a collective bargaining tactic.
1: Uh, go for it. Are they are they talking about building unions in software development?
2: Really? I mean, that's a little harder thing to do in the US of A. But uh, last I heard, France has a bunch of unions of various types. Oh, really? You know, the United mm. Kingdom has unions. Everybody's got unions. Uh, it, it seems. Wow. So you know, go 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 do that. Go 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 get paid collectively <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly
1: all right well i guess that's it for another week but if people want to get a hold of jaime and rant at him how would they do that
2: yeah, besides throwing big bags of money my way <laughs> um so i'm on twitter no, ch- no at change the the it hurts right <laughs> yeah sorry i cut my you off. bitcoin wallet address <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> do you want to repeat your uh, handle there i'm
2: at dev with the hair
1: all right, on Twitter and things like that. And Mark, if people want to get in touch with you?
3: Mark R at Snapsoft.com. All
1: right, and as usual, my name is Tim Etretti, T I M M I T R A, and I'm in Toronto, starving. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, so on Twitter is where you'll find me. And uh, until next time, we'll say
0: bye-bye. Bye. This has been another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fireside.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the apps, code, and news that we mentioned on the show. If you like the podcast, tell your friends, leave a comment on the website, or write a review on iTunes. And please recommend us in your favorite podcatcher. All of these things help others find out about the show. We really appreciate your help with spreading the word.